Okay, so the urchin background automatically gives you a pet mouse. At what point is taking a pet mouse adventuring considered animal abuse? Immediately. Like, like what steps <laughs> would I need to take in order to be a good, conscientious pet owner who also roams around the world and faces off against inhospitable environments, magic horrors, and ancient evils? You never played Pokemon as a child, did you? No, I've never played Pokemon. Because that's all you do is, you know, travel around with your small animals and make them electrocute each other. Yeah, but, like, the way that Ash, like, makes friends with the Pokemon and, like, makes them, like, do things for him on a regular by basis. By enslaving them? By enslaving them. Yeah. But also, he always regularly risks his life for them. So they, in turn, risk their life for him. It's tit for tat in Pokemon. Sure, but, I mean, how many, you know, farmers or whatever, people... You know, risk their lives for their house. It doesn't make it special. Like it's just, it's, it's special is their house them. sentient? It's special <laughs> to them, right? Like it's, I mean, I guess not. Maybe in a perfect world, maybe. some houses are maybe. <laughs> I was trying to think. How do I get my pet mouse to blow up in a fireball? Ah, uh, you house it somewhere on your body. <laughs> well, I'm not Richard Gere, so fuck. Like, <laughs> I was told to be off color. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fireproof asbestos armor. Asbestos armor. Yes. Like, there you go. Picture like <laughs> like the half orc with the pet mouth, just all into the mouth. Aww. Boom. Oh, Lord. It's safer in there. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. No, I feel like if you're going to have a pet that, like, it's built into your character, you have a place that you carry it around in. You have the food that you feed it. Like... It would have a routine. It would be something to role play around with. Like. Right, but in an area of effect damage spell, wouldn't it also hit the, the pet with like two hit points? Uh, fireproof bag. Fireproof bag. Yeah, that's my answer. Fireproof bag of holding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another It's a Mimic episode, where we continue our conversation on player options in Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition. I'm D. I'm DM one. <laughs> Good start. Good start. <laughs> I'm Megan, and with me today are Dave and this guy. <laughs> Yep. Adam. <laughs> and this episode is called Companions, Becoming Familiar With, Petting, or Mounting Your New Friend. Whoa. <laughs> I can't say it with a straight face. Do you want me to do that whole thing over again? No, nope, it's perfect the way it is. <laughs> In this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, this panel of Dungeon Masters is going to dig into the ins and outs of what it means to have an animal companion in 5th edition. What are the best ways to get a pet in-game? Which pets have the best options? And how much room should you set aside for the pet cemetery behind your guild house? Womp womp. Very creepy. The last time we talked about player options, we covered the rules for sidekicks from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. It says right in that rule set that an animal can gain the sidekick ability, and it looks all around like that's the outright superior option. Unfortunately, you have to rely on your DM agreeing to that option, instead of just designing your character to include an animal companion of some sort. So a lot of players just don't get that option at all. But let's say you get a wolf sidekick, which is the most common option, I think. Would you rather get the boosts and bonuses uh, to the skills and combat from the expert subclass, the straight combat bonuses from the warrior subclass, or the spells and magic from the spellcaster subclass when it comes to a wolf? Let's grab dice. I want to roll. 19. 7. I got a 3. Um, I Honestly, 
Combat bonuses is just where I'm at. I think that's... I would love to have a dire wolf that just fights everything. That is the answer for both of you, I assume. Yeah, if I've got a wolf, I'm not looking at... I'm not looking for it to be a skill thing. Uh, Honestly, that's what I want my character to be. I want it to be doing those things. You don't want the wolf that can do a history check? Is that what you're into? (laughs) Could you imagine? There's a wolf with tiny spectacles. Just like... (laughs) We're getting very close to Scooby-Doo territory. Yeah. I like the idea of just like, I'm pretty sure that this castle was built 300 years ago and the wolf just shaking his head and disappointed. Yeah. yeah. Strains his tie. Actually, I'm an expert on the matter. Well, actually. <laughs> no, I do. We did an episode on sidekicks at one point, and I do remember talking about the spellcaster subclass and the things that you yeah. get, and it wasn't that great. No, it, it wasn't. Well, I mean. In comparison, it was pretty lackluster. Well, it's supposed to be a half of a character, right? Like, it's better than an NPC, but it's not as good as a full character, right? But if I'm going to have a wolf, I want to fight. Oh, clearly. End of story. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah, I think that not being able to do a lot of the somatic components, or um, the, the yeah, somatic components, and also where are they keeping their material components on their body to be able to, like, oh, bat guano, right? Like, w- they can't do so many spells, so it doesn't really line up well. I would love to, like, would love that to make it have that. You just give it Mage's hand so that it, every time it has to do a magical thing, the Mage's hand appears and, like, that's there. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you would stand on its hind legs and, like, using its paws to, like, make a, you know. Like, like, no, nobody components. can see you look like a, <laughs> <laughs> like a 1982 marionette. This one, like, it's like, it reminds me of the end of like whatever. It was what, just doing Thriller. Like, or Buffy the Vampire Slayer at the end. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Well, like, with, with dog arms, okay? Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, well, we're going to get into a little bit more. Before we do, let's cut to an ad. We've previously covered quite a bit in our discussion on player options in 5th edition. For all those episodes and more, you can follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and dozens of other podcast apps. If you'd like to support us, you can donate through the website, check out our store, or join our Patreon and get access to other episodes and series. If you'd like to pay for some ad space on It's a Mimic, or just send a shout out to a friend, please reach out to us through our email and website that are listed in the show notes below. Don't forget to send us your mailbag questions. Back in December, we wiped the slate clean of all the old outstanding questions, and now... It's time for some new ridiculousness to come from you, the listeners, to us, the podcasters. You can hop on the subreddit, hit us up on Facebook or Instagram, or send us an email at info at We'll answer everything you send us, so please feel free to let your creative juices flow. As for the rest of the week, our Patreon sees the campaign builder hit the road again, but instead of an escort mission, a caravan, or exploration, we're talking about city evacuations and some of the dynamic encounters that would be a part of such a harrowing experience. You can find a link to our Patreon in the show notes below. Now let's get back to the episode. So, I guess the very first thing to talk about when we're discussing animals and whatnot is mounts, because that's really the basic one when it comes to the idea of medieval fantasy adventuring, is like, you're on your fucking horse. But what does that mean? Because... As much as we've had a couple of interesting mounts in our own games, we haven't really built a character around mounts, and we have avoided mounted combat most of the time, right? I think in like the last D&D campaign where I had a mount, I had it for the day, and then it was gone forever. Yeah. Well, and I never saw it again. <laughs> you go down into a dungeon, and you come back out, and you're like, hey, where are the mounts? And, she gone. <laughs> yeah. 
Let's talk for a second about, first of all, what can be mounted. <laughs> Pause for effect for Megan, and... Yep. <laughs> it's going to be a really hard time getting through this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the very first thing that you need to know is that it has to be a willing creature, right? So you can't just force any bear that you run across to be your mount. The mount has to be essentially tamed. Um, it has to be one size larger than you, at least. Um, and it has to have an appropriate anatomy, which means that you have to be able to ride on it. So, like, a boa constrictor might be difficult, right? Um, this is really left up to the DM, but you're not going to ride a, a giant octopus. There's really nowhere for you to sit on that, right? So, um, things that are, um... <laughs> and you see you, like, in one of the arms as you swimming away? <clears throat> well, like, look, I'm not... God damn, we don't have Dan on this episode, so we can't make jokes about mounting the tentacles. So we're, <laughs> I really we're... wanted to make jokes about mounting the tentacles. <laughs> but um, yeah, the idea here is that it's up to the DM's discretion a lot of the time when it comes to this, but you're looking for quadrupeds um, or large creatures. Like uh, goblins can use ogres as a mount. You know, they'll sit in like a little backpack saddle um, or like up on a shoulder. Yeah. So a lot of people when it comes to D&D, automatically think dragon as well. But that's a little problematic, so I'm going to get into that in a little bit. But why would you bother to get a mount in the first place? Well, you get the improved movement speed of the mount, which means you're not not—you're actually going to get a penalty if you choose a giant tortoise. What a great time that would be. Yeah. Um, you get a minor advantage with lances, because remember, if you use a lance without being mounted, you get disadvantage. It's called a lance. A lance. Hello. <laughs> Um, and, uh, there is some extra, some extra stuff that you'll get when you take the mounted combatant feat as well, but two-thirds of that is essentially just how to keep the mount alive in combat, so it's not, it's good if you're going for that flavor, but if you are not committed to being on the back of a horse for the majority of the campaign, if you're not going to be outside most of the time, it might not be worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, the internet's screaming at me right now, but that's okay. Um, when it comes to mounting a creature... <laughs> okay, okay. we're going to leave that one, my bad. Nice. Nope. <laughs> um, so here, here are the rules. You can mount or dismount once during your move. So you can't... A, it's part of your movement. It's not part of an action or a bonus action. It doesn't take anything else. It is just part of your move. So um, it takes 50% of your movement speed to actually mount the creature... And you can't, you know, jump from, like, get on one horse and then jump to another or anything like that. It's just that you get onto one or you dismount off of one. Also, the creature has to be within five feet of you. Um, and um, you are unable to mount anything if your movement speed is zero. Because you can't Fair. have half of zero. <laughs> yep, that makes, that makes sense. When your stamina runs out, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So if your movement speed is 30 feet and the creature... Um, is 20 feet away, you don't have enough movement speed to get on it this turn. Yeah. Unless you use your dash action. That's fair. Okay. Now, you can forcibly uh, get dismounted as well, instead of just, like, using part of your movement speed to get down off of the mount. Mm. Um, there are a handful of things that can knock you down off of it. Um, if an effect moves your mount against its will while you're on it, like a ship rocking or a thunder wave or something, you've got to succeed on a DC 10 deck save, or you fall off the mount landing prone on a space within five feet. You don't take damage from that. It's not a ten-foot drop. So I feel like you probably should still, though. 
I feel like you should, but it's not rules as written, and it's only a DC 10 dex, so I feel like most people are going to be, like, they're going to stay mounted. You're not a tuck and roll. Well, I'm thinking about the, the characters that are going to stay on top of, like, that are going to want to have a mount, and it's going to be things like fighters, rangers, paladins, barbarians, even, um, uh, maybe the odd rogue, but it's not a whole lot of spellcasters, right? The yeah, monk but- isn't going to. Um, so, like, but like these how, guys all have high decks anyway, right? I wonder why, like, we don't see a lot of, like, your wizards and sorcerers that are on mounts, because they can get out of battle faster. Yeah, I think it probably has something to do with the fact that, uh, you're a bigger target, and also you'll spook the mount. Fair enough. So, I think that, like, there's nothing in the rules about that, and I would like to see that more often, frankly, but... Now that you said that, I really want a wizard on a horse, and then they cast a fireball, and it spooks the horse, and they fall off and get impaled by something. I just think it'd be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> what a great series of events. Anyways, going on. <laughs> um, if you're not prone while you are uh, mounted, then you have to make the same saving throw, so if the horse gets knocked over. Fair. If your mount is knocked prone, you can use your reaction to dismount it as it falls, and then you land on your feet. Okay. There's no um, save there. Otherwise, you are dismounted and fall prone uh, in a space within five feet. Which means if you've already used your reaction, you just land beside the horse. Mm -hmm. So, there are two kinds of mounts. All creatures essentially will break down into into two categories. Uh, One is, we're going to call it a controlled mount. And uh, this controlled mount um, changes to match your initiative the moment that you mount it. It essentially uses uh, your movement speed, or your movement portion of your of your turn, um, to do its movement instead. Your mount moves, and you don't, and it can only take one of three actions. Dash, disengage, which allows it to avoid all opportunity attacks, or dodge. And I'm going to say this over and over and over again this episode. Make sure you announce that your animal is dodging if it's not doing anything else. Yeah. Because that's going to give it advantage on all sorts of shit, because your guys are squishy and will die. Mm-hmm. Besides the controlled mount is one that I'm going to call an independent mount. Um, this retains its place in the initiative order. Um, bearing a rider on its back puts no restrictions on the actions that it can take, and it moves and acts the way that it wants. Uh, it might flee from combat. It could rush into attack. It can, you know, eat a kobold in the middle of, uh, of initiative, even if you're trying to keep the kobold alive. Um, it can act against your wishes. You did not tame it. So think about you riding a dragon, right? Or you are on top of a warg. So um, one of the interesting questions that's brought up when you're in mounted combat, and something that doesn't really occur to most people until they actually are looking at the grid, is where can you hit when you're on the back of a horse? What's your range, right? And your range is still only five feet. Even though you should have advantage and people trying to hit you should have disadvantage or beside the horse because, you know, you're swinging down and they're swinging up, mm-hmm. that shit is not applied in 5th edition rules. Yeah. There's no modifiers that are added. There's no advantage or disadvantage. Um, and it's not clear at all about what space you can reach from a, the top of a large creature. So you could, in theory, occupy one out of any four spaces. Or maybe you're straddling the middle of two spaces or... It's really up to your positioning and how you and the DM are going to figure this out. You should be clear about what this is like. You don't just get the automatic range that the mount gets. Mm-hmm. There are some ways to uh, to make your mount live a little bit longer. The best way, in my opinion, is the um, barding, um, and that is just buying armor. There are rules in the player's handbook 
it's a little bit crunchy and a lot boring, but there are rules about it. So uh, if you are going to get a mount and you're going to keep it for longer than a session and you have access to gold because this shit is not cheap, uh, you're essentially buying super armor for it. So ex- expect to pay a lot mm-hmm. um, for it, but it's going to raise the AC. Um, again, always dodge. And if you really want to keep your mount alive, take that mounted combatant feat because it's going to help you quite a bit. So on a turn, it can move, dodge, or disengage. disengage. It, it can dash, dodge, or disengage as its action. Okay. Right. So it can move. But it still has its movement. So you say, I'm dodging and I'm moving at the same time, or you can only claim dodge at the end? No. So what happens is it hits your initiative. Yeah. And instead of you moving, you and it use its movement and okay. you move together. Got you. Then you get your action and bonus action. It gets its action. And it, and in theory, if it has a bonus action, it should be able to use it. Because if you have an action, you can use a bonus action. Fair enough. And there's no limitations on what bonus actions that a mount can use. Yeah. Um, however, most of them won't have bonus actions. And um, you have to remember, too, that it's going to get a reaction just like you are. But its reaction is probably going to be used by dodge. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. And just think it's the four Ds of, of mounted combat. Mm-hmm. Dodge, dive, dash, and dodge. dodge. Yeah. yeah. Okay, dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh that's pretty much everything that you need to know about mounts. Now there are all sorts of creatures that will land kind of uh in the realm of whether or not it can be considered a mount. Um the general rule is that it can't be a sentient creature. But there's no really rules about what that means, right? Yeah. So, and also, goblins ride wargs and people ride dragons, and so that doesn't make a shit ton of sense, and I would hand wave that. Mm-hmm. However, I'm going to have that be considered one of these um, independent mounts that is going to do its own shit. You may be on it, but it has its own place in initiative, it's going to do its own thing, and you are along for the ride. Yeah, that's fair. So, as opposed to a horse or a drake or something else that you could train. Yeah. Right, a dire wolf, something like that, so. Cool. All right, well, I've got a couple questions. Do we want to roll some dice? Yes, always. I got a nine. Sixteen. Six. All right, so my first question for y'all. Mounted combat, of course, is crucial to a medieval fantasy setting, which is what we all play D&D for, right? Yeah. Um, Well... (laughs) I'm in it for the bad jokes. (laughs) Anyways, it could be really evocative imagery. Do you think that these rules kind of line up with how epic and powerful mounted combat and or battle should be? No, I mean, I think when I think of mounted combat, it's, you know, horses running into, you know, infantry. Lances impaling men. Oh, yeah, it is. It is (laughs) hardcore. And let me tell you, there has not been any kind of mounted combat that's really interested me too much. Yeah. Um, It's just cumbersome. I'm I'm going last. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I agree. It does feel a little bit chunky for when you're trying to have like like a big epic. Like in my in my mind, if you're having a battle where mounted combat is going to be required, it is a large space, right? So it's kind of hard to take all that into account when you're really just kind of focusing on the fact that you have this amount of movement speed or what have you. There's just a lot moving around in my mind. That's hard. I think that it's epic as it is in in reality. Well, a dude on a horse fighting other dude on a horse is not as epic as you think. Like. In my head, when I watch a movie and I see that shit, it's always zoomed up real close. Mm-hmm. But if you zoom way out, it's just two guys on horseback trying to hit each other. Yeah. Right? And it's not as cool as you may immediately think. Um, because if you're not using a lance or a spear or a pike or anything, your shield is also relatively useless because it's on the wrong fucking side. Or you're swinging across your body, so you're not doing much damage. Like, yeah. Mounted combat requires long weapons to be able to use. Yeah. 
Um, in D&D, the best thing about it is that it is fast. Yeah. That's the thing. You get increased movement speed. Um, there's no penalty, really, for doing this, except it gets your mount out of combat, like out of initiative, rather. Yeah. Um, but this allows me to, I'm thinking spellcasters, if I'm going to shoot magic missile and it's got a, a whatever the fucking range on magic missile is, I can start way, way, way back, like 25 feet back, gallop forward, shoot magic missile, get guaranteed three hits, and then all the way back again. Yeah. Right? Out of range. This could make the difference between um, shooting a bow with disadvantage or not, but depending on the range. can also get you behind cover and out of cover um, pretty quickly. And I like the idea, even if it's melee, that you're essentially doing flyby attacks, right? Like you are charging beside somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to do all of your regular shit um, when it comes to like your your fighting styles and stuff, like dueling. There's that's a great one, the duelist, right? You've got to fight me now, and they're compelled they're compelled to fight you, or I think they take disadvantage to hit anybody else. But if they can ever catch you, yeah, and you're just running circles around the battlefield, that's fucking hilarious, <laughs> right? But if you're trying to charge someone, you yourself can't use charge because you're mounted, mm-hmm. right? So you've got to be aware. I think a battle master would have a lot of fun on a mount as well because they're moving people around the battlefield quite a bit. Uh, it's kind of built into who they are and how they work. Yeah. So it could be epic. It could be really fun to to gallop 50 feet up to somebody, beat them in the head with all three of your attacks, and then gallop 50 feet away. You're not wrong. And, not, and, and take an attack of opportunity, but who gives a shit, right? You're not wrong. I'd love to stab someone in the face on horseback. It'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> but that brings me to the next question. How would we fix it? Do you have a way that you would think that would make it a little bit easier, better, make it a little more cinematic? Uh, I think I would probably just decide whether or not that's what we want to do in our campaign or not, right? Like that's that's essentially what it would be, because if I'm going to spend the time to do it, I want everybody to be involved. Yeah. it's it's It does take more time, and I don't like focusing on just one player for too much of the session mm-hmm. because of that. I think it takes away. So I think it, to make it work better, I think I would probably have that conversation first. Make sure we're all on the same page and uh, yeah, uh, not do a dungeon crawl. Yeah, you know I wouldn't do Dungeon of the Mad Mage with guys that want to do mountain combat on, horse- yeah. <laughs> on horseback. Right? Yeah, right. Like, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've kind of had some similar scenarios where we've gone into large tabled battles where there was supposed to, in my mind, war that is supposed to take yeah. days. It's supposed to take over like large plots of land, and it's like, how do you handle that as a DM? maintaining understanding where all these bits and pieces are going to go forward and still make it cinematic for your players. So I do agree that there kind of almost has to be a session zero when you know that war is coming. Yeah. And I feel that like, if you don't know war is coming, you're not paying attention to your game. Um, (laughs) So um, we've had like that ground zero conversation about like, okay, we are going into mounted combat or we are going into combat. What is your guys' game plan? And then it gives your players the chance to say we're going in mounted or we're not going in mounted. Mm-hmm. And I decide we're gonna go into mount going we're going in this battle full on horse forward or dragon forward. Um, it gives you as a DM kind of time to plan and prep how that battlefield is gonna operate and work. And if they decide we don't want to be on horseback, but one guy wants to be on horseback, be like, okay, well, this is what it's gonna look like if only one of you is. So do we wanna play that way? You're gonna be the bigger target, you know? <laughs> Because it's the same thing where they run into battle and they're 500 feet ahead and the rest of them are fighting front lines. How many times did Dan's uh, rogue investigator, who was a battle master, 
get 120 feet in front of everybody else. Yeah, and then right. we're like, okay, well, bye. Yeah, <laughs> and then and he got in so much trouble. I'm yeah. just thinking that probably worked out very well. He almost died yeah. multiple yeah. times, and that's where <clears throat> my character learned not to heal him as punishment. <laughs> he is still super bitter, and we're like a year into the next campaign. So, um, honestly, yeah, the, the big epic mounted combat that I picture is a, is a cavalry unit. Yeah. It's not necessarily one knight. I mean, it's cool and it's awesome to, you know, declare that the hero has entered the town square as he rides up on horseback. But... Let's just say I think most of it's imagery, right? Yeah. It it gives you that little bit of oomph to the story. Also, I feel like you could, um, again, to try and make it better, if you decided to go in as a group on mounted combat, you could add in mechanics that make, okay, well, you're now a wall. You as a group do this. You get pack tactics or you can add these things to make battle more interesting to them, right? I think one of the things that I would like to do, if I was going to really focus on this, I would, if you take the, like, maybe just everybody automatically gets the mounted combatant feet. Yeah. Right, just to make it an even playing field or make everybody a little bit more epic. Or, you know, you get plus two to attacks that rely on strength. Yeah. Right, in order to, to hit or and do damage because you're swinging down on things. Yeah. Right? Make it Shit interesting. like that. Right? Maybe... Maybe disadvantage for others to hit you on the way by. Like, I would have to sit down and really come up with a way to make that. There is really nothing to demonstrate what happens when you pass each other by. Or, like, the fact that one might be stabbing upwards and one is stabbing downwards. Like, there's no rules for that right now. So it does kind of feel unfair in a way that someone who is, like, stabbing upwards at a horse that's passing by has the same advantage of... Well, I, I will say this. If you, like, here's my tip for players and something for DMs to think about as well. If you are, if you have a character that's on a mount that keeps just galloping by and hitting people and it uses a disengage action and, you know, it gets out of range again and around a corner and just to do it again next time, mm-hmm. use your uh, movement speed to block their way if you can. Yeah. Uh, and uh, And if they're going to dash instead of disengage, attack them out. Always attack them out. Yeah. Right? They It has fewer hit points. And then someone will end up prone pretty quick as they get thrown off the mount. And someone will be sad that their favorite horse is dead. Yeah. So, no, but for players dealing with, with mounted combatants that are coming at them, attack the mount first. Uh, also, a dead mount provides cover. <laughs> touche, touche, touche. I love that. <laughs> Interesting. And I thought they smelled bad. That's On the outside. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, well... In addition to the mounts, the paladins specifically get the Fine Steed spell. Now it's a PHB only spell. Uh, it's on page 240. Again, paladin only. They get it. It's a second level spell. So they get it at fifth level. Uh, it is a conjuration spell. It has verbal and somatic components, which I really like because the idea of somatic components makes sense to me. Like spellcasters, you think back, everybody you see that does spells is doing this. But I mean, waving their hands around. Yeah, is right. What like, he's doing <laughs> The powers that be have decided that you do not get your steed unless you do the finger wiggles. Yeah, okay? absolutely. You've got to do that, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, no finger wiggles, no steed. It's you jack- they can't get mounted. Right? Unless you do unless the you finger do- wiggles. Okay. <laughs> I can't. No, what's up, what's I can't. <laughs> what, what's up, what happened? Which is different than jazz hands. No. <laughs> I just don't want to call it finger wiggles. Ever. <laughs> the only place where I... <laughs> um, fine Steed is a second level. It's Fine Greater Steed is fifth level. No, no. It's a second level spell, yeah. which you get yeah, when you level. are a fifth level fifth character. Level. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. That's what I was, I was yeah. meaning. All right. 
Um, the the range when I mean when you cast it, it appears within an unoccupied space within thirty feet of you. It takes you ten minutes to cast, and then it's there, right? Yeah. Uh, essentially, you're summoning uh, an intelligent spirit. In fact, the spirit is so intelligent that if the creature you choose has a lower intelligence, it bumps up to six. It's automatically six. It cannot be lower. So it is sentient. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, it appears as a spirit and assumes the form of an animal of your choosing. The The list they give you in the book is war horse, pony, camel, elk, or mastiff. Talk to your DM. You can you can wiggle. Finger wiggle oh, your way to something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the best way to get the DM on your side is finger wiggles. Finger wiggles. <laughs> Gross. Do not like that. <laughs> See? The steed that you choose does get the stat block for the animal that you choose, yeah. clearly. But it also gets the celestial fae or fiend type. So it'll, that'll replace the beast type. Yeah, and you get, you get to choose that, right? The player gets to choose that. Yeah. A little more customization. Right. Uh, the mount also gains the ability to understand one of the summoner's known languages. Okay. Uh, and when they're within one mile of each other, they can link telepathically. So as long as you're close to your steed, you guys can have that little back and forth, uh, which I thought was a really interesting bonus as opposed to just a regular mounted animal. Like you get this telepathic link. Telepathic link. It's because it's your steed. Well, so it, you can it can talk back. Yeah. Right. That's it can that's... clap back if it needs to. Like <laughs> fuck you, I'm not doing that. <laughs> we're we're, we're, we're going to talk about Zoltan in a little bit. <laughs> that's what I mean. Zoltan yeah. definitely claps back. <laughs> Uh, if you cast a spell that targets self, it can also target the steed as well. All right, but I think it's one of those like if you cast mage armor on yourself, uh, then it goes to your steed as well. You don't have to cast it separately for the steed. It applies to both as long as you are mounted. I was gonna say that would have to be applied if it was mounted. Yeah, uh, you can dismiss the steed as an action that can just you know disappear. Uh, if it drops to zero hit points, it goes away. Uh, and when you summon it back again, it returns with full hit points. So if it dies in battle, battle's over, you spend your 10 minutes, cast the spell again, comes back ready to rock. Poor animals. Yeah. Uh, but you can only have one of them at a time. Yeah. Right? You can't just like, oh, I got this steed over here, I'm going to summon this one over here. Because the idea is you're, you're summoning a spirit, uh, you will get that spirit again. It was my understanding that even if you choose a different form for it, it's still going to be that original spirit. Like it's same aura. Yeah, you're you're morphing it. You're yeah. not. Yeah. So like you do get this like long term connection, and your spirit never really goes away. <laughs> Fuck you! I'm tired of your back talk, camel. And then you yeah, dismiss you, it. Yeah. yeah and then you get a horse. Ah, oh, fuck! It's you again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is awkward for everybody involved. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much it for the the fine steed spell. That's great. Well, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go through the different steeds. That we can have, talk about a little bit of their awesomenesses, um, and what you get when you have them specifically. So to start, we'll start with the warhorse, which I find is the most common one. I don't know if you guys sure, would agree, yeah. but Probably, I've seen yeah. warhorses uh, all over the place. So they're a large beast with the ability with to have a trampling charge, which is basically running full force forward at least 20 feet, and will knock someone prone and cause damage. Good. Great. That, that's what they should do. Yeah. <laughs> Keep in mind that they do have a 60-foot traveling speed, so we were talking about how you get their traveling speed. 60 feet for a warhorse, which is... 120 feet with a dash. Yeah. That's significant. Pretty fucking quick. Yep. yep. Um, and then on top of that, they can, of course, attack with their hooves. Uh, it is a whopping plus six to hit with an average damage of 11. They're pretty hefty beasts. Um, but they're not going to be able to attack, because the only thing they can do with 
um, if they're a mount, yep. the only thing they can do is dodge, dash, or disengage. If you were unmounted, would it be able to use an attack? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's when so, it's yeah. mounted, yeah, yeah. you can't. So, um, and that was the only thing, like, the only thing I couldn't really quite determine was, can it use the trampling charge when you are mounted on it? And how does that not cause you some damage? Well, it, it, what is it, what does it say in the trampling charge? Like, as an, as part of its action, it can do this, or when you attack? Like, it depends on the actual, like, wording of it. Let me find the proper wording, because I put this in my own words. (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling a lot of attitude from you today, Megan. You know what? <laughs> Just trying to make this horror home. Um, all right. So trampling charge. If the horse moves at least 20 feet straight forward, a creature that it hits um, with a hooves attack on the same turn. So target. it can't use, use it, it if it's mounted. mounted. So no, can't. So there you go. Figured it out. There you go. Cool. Well, then to add to that, you can also deck these horses that we talked about earlier with armor. Um, so basically can increase its base AC. Its base AC is 11. But if you armor it out to its highest, you can actually get up to an AC of 18 if you throw some plate mail on it. That's solid. Yeah, that's all right. Do you think that a war horse would be slowed down if you piled on plate armor and then a plate armored paladin? Uh, I think that it is built to... Withstand that weight? Yeah. Fair that, enough. That's why it's not a riding horse. It's a... It is a war horse. Yeah. When you think about the, the different animals that are listed here, they're all... Nearly beasts of burden. Like, they're strong animals. Yeah. Right? Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, that's why you get different horses. There's riding horses, there's war horses, pack horses. Yeah. Uh, they, know, they all have draft horses. They all have different strengths. I think the only horses that you actually get in 5th edition statted out in, you know, the base rule set is riding horse, war horse, and, like, pony. Yeah. Um, like maybe, maybe donkey or mule. I think mule is in there for sure. Yeah. So there are some, but I mean, you're not riding a mule. Although I would totally let a fat dwarf ride a mule. Hundred percent. A burrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Awesome. Well, does it have a burrow speed? All right, never it. mind. Yeah, moving on. End it. Yep. All right, well, let's talk about ponies. <laughs> so, <laughs> so these are mounts technically only for small creatures because they are a medium creature themselves. So based on the rules, they technically have to be one size larger than you. So small creatures can only really mount a pony. Yeah, but that way you can get, this is what I mean about the armor on it. Like, you can get armor on a pony, and it wouldn't be able to carry me armored up and its own armor, but it, it could carry Brad, who's a small creature, armored up. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the imagery is yeah, just that, phenomenal. That's canon yeah, now. No. <laughs> Brad is a small creature. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Alright. Uh, they are, so as ponies, not Brad, um, ponies are slower than a warhorse. Even though <laughs> no, no, Brad is too slow. I don't think Brad can run 60 feet around. Yeah. Well, a pony's 40. For science. <laughs> <laughs> well, a pony has, uh, has a 40 uh, foot traveling speed, uh, and they can attack with their hooves as well, but only with a plus 4 to hit with an average damage of 7. So they're just a little bit softer. Of course. Well, they're smaller, right? Right. And the next of them is the camel. So they're a little bit faster than your pony, but not quite as gallant as your warhorse with a 50-foot traveling speed. And instead of hooves, they bite. Clearly. Um, no spin attack? There's, I, that's what I said. I was just like, yeah. they need to have a ranged spin attack. I yeah. think that would make them better. I'm just glad Target they is blinded. I'm just, <laughs> glad, I'm just glad they don't hump. Stop. Stop. One hump or two. Yeah. No, <laughs> who's always, mounting who? Always two. Always it's two that humps. second one that you're really feeling. Yeah. yeah. Um, their bite is pretty hefty, though. It's a plus five to hit with an average of how... Two damage. Ooh. Whopping two damage. Oh, look, I'm not going to get a battle camel coming into 
fucking fight my wars for I don't me. want a battle camel. What with that attitude? I, maybe a dire camel, but not a <laughs> All I can think of is the mummy. You know, the episode, like, the when they're running through the desert on, like, camelback, having, yeah. like, a battle on camelback. Like, that was pretty epic. Hey, O'Connell! <laughs> <laughs> Looks like I got all the horses! <laughs> You're on the wrong side of the river! <laughs> Glad we all love that movie. Oh, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> I love it. All right, moving on to the elk. These are large beasts who can cause charge damage. Some charge damage. They can charge damage. They can charge damage. Similar to your war horse with a fifty foot traveling speed, uh, they can. But they can ram or use their hooves attack. So ramming is basically the same as a charge they just call it ram i guess because they have elks can have horns is that one? antlers yeah, antlers they, yes they're not horns <laughs> thanks dave yeah. <laughs> thanks um, hunter dave yes. <laughs> so so can they ram is that a part of an attack action or is that just i'm gonna keep asking these you. questions okay, sorry <laughs> uh, i'm just trying to think like when would a paladin be riding an elk into battle. Uh, Oaks of Ancients Paladin. That would make right, sense to right, me. Because okay. they're all nature and shit. Alright, I was thinking like, if you cross-class with a druid at some point, but, you know, that's gonna take you a while to... Well, there's also, like, nature domain clerics, right? Like, there are enough nature-y... Um, I feel like, like, your barbarian might ride a, a great elk into battle, right? Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty cool. Um, so the charge attack is exactly the same as is with the warhorse that they have to do the run and then use the ram attack and okay. then that would cause them to be knocked prone X Y Z. So it is it is an attack action technically. Okay. So you can't be mounted when this happens. Sure, mount or ram. Yeah, you get one or the other, not both. Okay. Um, and then last but not least is the mastiff. Uh, once again, only for small PCs because they are technically a medium creature. Um, so. Same kind of thing uh, as the, um, what was I saying? The pony. I, yeah. I, in my mind, I'm just like thinking that a pony and a mastiff are the same size. And that to me is very <laughs> strange. But also like, okay, in my brain. I mean, mastiffs are quite large. And <laughs> ponies are quite small. They too. can be, yeah. 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 So um, they're kind of similar to the pony. They have a 40 foot traveling speed. I, they're the same size. So in my mind, they travel on the same speed. Um, they do have a new added ability, though. They do have the keen smell and hearing, which gives them advantage on the perception checks if relying on hearing or smelling. Um, in my mind, that fits because massives are hunters. Like, you know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So that makes sense to me. And then their main attack, of course, is bite uh, with a whopping average of four damage with a plus three to hit. So they chomp, chomp. Hunt, hunt, chomp, chomp. Yeah, I, but and that really, to me, makes sense with the camel as well. If you're mounted on this thing and it's going for biting, you're holding on for dear life. That's yeah. that's a lunge forward. It's more than just closing its jaws, right? So Yeah. But yeah, that's all the information you really need on fine steed and all the steeds that you have available in your arsenal. Um, I've got some questions. Roll some dice. 15. 18. 16. Guys, that was a 15. good yeah, one. All right, so the first question I have is, is this spell worth the slot? Are, are we going to slot shame? Is that what we're doing? I here? was waiting for a slot shame, but then yeah. that's, it's fine. <laughs> Pause for slot shame. Um, I'll answer first. I'll answer my own question. It depends on the campaign. Yeah. Um, and whether mounted combat is required or how you are using your mount. I like the fact that all the mounts do have the ability to attack and kind of do their own thing on the side if you are not mounted, which means that if you get into battle when you have your steed around... It is nice to have it around. To have the spell Fine Steed is very helpful in the sense where a lot of the times you will go dungeon crawling where your fucking war horse can't fit. 
of all the times you're going to be climbing up a mountain where your camel does not enjoy the weather. You know what I mean? So you're going to have to eventually find your steed again eventually. I really like the idea of dismissing it. Yeah. And then being able to resummon it, right, nearby, like, on the other side of the dungeon. Or, hey, we're, we're entering this, this antechamber that's utterly massive. We're fighting fire giants, you know, on the other side of this huge... Like cavern underground, or like you're you're crossing the mountain or, inside. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. So so there's a bunch of shit that's going on. You can actually, I'm thinking about the mines of Moria when they're running from the Balrog is coming and and whatnot, and all of the goblins are coming down out of the like woodwork and coming down the columns. And it's shit. stonework, but yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I was using the common phrase. Anyway, yeah. doesn't matter. So <laughs> um, so no, the idea if they had had mounts. If they'd just been like, hey, everybody get on a horse, mm-hmm. that would have gone so much better for everyone. Yeah. No one would have had to fly, you fools. I mean, until they got to the stairs. Right, but then you dismiss them again, or you just ride the horse down, and if it trips and dies, that's fine, because you can just summon it again. In ten minutes. In, yeah, like yeah. down the road, so it's whatever, right? Sure. That's fine. Just die and resummon on a regular basis. That's well. I've done that to familiars. Hundred, yes, hundreds and hundreds of times yeah. to the point where they get an attitude about it. That's true. <laughs> a little bit of a complex. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Dave? Any opinions? Is it worth the slot? I think it absolutely is. If it's not going to be your only second level spell. Yeah. yeah? I don't think right. you're taking this at fifth level. No, you're, you're taking, taking it like eleventh, at... right? Like, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Fair enough. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You want that for smites. Yeah. If you're a paladin, you... You be smiting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100%. All right, well, which steed would you prefer? Yeah. I will answer first. I will answer my own question. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I enjoy the warhorse. Sure. I feel like that's a gallant and that's something that I would enjoy. Um, however, now after like going through all these and like finding new options, I do like the idea of the camel. <laughs> 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 but I would give it a spit action. <laughs> Clearly. As a bonus action, you can spit into someone's eyes. <laughs> I was also going to choose Camel, and I would name it Jezebel. Oh! Je- just because I think that's hilarious. Okay. Uh, and it probably doesn't get the spit action, then. Oh. What about you, Dave? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that took a second. Breeze right over that. <laughs> yeah, anyway, move on. Uh, I, me, myself, have always wanted a large dog. Uh, in fact, some sort of Mastiff has always kind of been like... On the want list, uh, I would name him Chainsaw Murder Face. Uh, I think it's a good name for a Mastiff. Well, you did that to your pet lion. No, that one's just Murder Face. Yeah, it was just Murder. I was channeling a little bit there. Right. But uh, honestly, if I was going to pick one, it would probably be a Warhorse, just because it's good old reliable. Well, if you're going to pick a Mastiff, what small race would you play? Oh, I really had fun with the lizard folk from the... No, no, but you got to be small. Oh, are lizard folk not small? No. No, no, no. no, no. I thought they were a little tiny. That's Kobolds. Uh, Yeah, right. Uh, Them. (laughs) <laughs> How dare you, those things <laughs> yeah, I don't know I, I could see like a you know a little small goblin man riding a large mastiff I was like the idea of a heron gone on a mastiff I think that's fun too mm. <laughs> fair enough <laughs> love it uh, so in addition to find steed there's also find greater steed which is one of the xanathar spells uh, it is again paladin only it is a fourth level paladin spell which means you get this at 13th level. Sure. Okay, as, mm-hmm. a, as a paladin, right? Uh, his conjuration takes 10 minutes to cast with the verbal and somatic components. Its range it shows up within 30 feet. It's all the same. Yeah, it's all the same. Uh, honestly, this is really a lot of the same. Uh, you summon the spirit that takes one of the following forms. 
Griffin, Pegasus, Paraton, uh, Direwolf, Rhino, or Sabertooth Tiger. So you get a larger, more robust animal. And magical. Like, yeah. the, these are these are monstrosities. I mean, not all of them, but some of them are. Yeah. Yeah, and they get the stat block right out of the monster manual. Uh, and in addition to their to those stats, they replace the type with Celestial, Fey, or Fiend. Uh, again, if the intelligence is less than 6, it automatically bumps up to 6. Okay, and it does understand one language of the summoner that the summoner speaks. Same idea with the uh, telepathy as well. So hold on a sec. Is it using the same, like the same consciousness as your fine steed was? Before? Yes, you can only have one or the other. You cannot have both. Sure, no, but but no, that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking. Okay, so I've got my consciousness that's been like my steed. I'm going to call him. Kevin. Kevin. Steedvin. Steedvin. <laughs> Steedvin. So, so, Shit. <laughs> so, so Steedvin has been a camel uh, or or a war horse for the entire campaign up until I hit level 13 and then I summon a greater steed. Is it still Steedvin? <laughs> greater Steedvin. Greater Steedvin. <laughs> but, but, it, but it's still the same consciousness. Like now Steedvin is a... Steedvin the Great. Is a griffin, right? Yeah. Okay. I think that's kind of how we discussed it in general, is that that would, how it would always be, that it's the same consciousness, the same person, you're just giving it more abilities. Sure. I didn't get the that from it when I was reading over them, but I don't think you couldn't do that. Like, that's yeah. certainly... I feel like it's you leveled up to do this, so it's what, it's yours. Your, what, what you are uh, imbuing this spirit with, right? So it's the same spirit, right? Yeah. yeah. You're just making it strong, greater or regular. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in addition to all that, um, when you cast spells on yourself, again, same thing with the steed, works the exact same way. The only real difference that I found was when the greater steed disappears, anything it was carrying, uh, it, it drops. But I think that may have just been an oversight when they originally printed the PHB as opposed to Xanathar's. Mm. Right? Like, it doesn't say... When your steed, like if you have barding on it, it doesn't say that it drops it when it vanishes, right? But the greater steed specifically does drop it. If, if it's carrying and wearing? Uh, carrying or wearing. Holy shit. Yeah. That's, um, dumb. That's a, like, that's that, a that's shitty a thing. Yeah, yeah. No, like, I, I think that you gotta go, again, I think that was just an, an oversight when they printed the, the I wonder if they, steed. I wonder if they do, you know what, no, I, I okay, I have an argument why that makes sense. And it is because this is really unique barding that would go in this, so you'd spend a shit ton of money on it. Yeah. Keeping in mind, you're you're armoring a rhinoceros or a pegasus. These things have enough hit points. They've got a high enough AC. You're adding barding to it in the first place. Like, that barding might, might not even be worth it on a rhinoceros, right? Yeah. Because you're going to limit its dex as an addition to its AC, like, with some of that barding you would. So, this thing isn't going to die... All of the time. Like a pony will. No, right? and when it does, you cast the spell again. Ten minutes later, it shows up with max hit points, right? And yeah, and then you put the barding back on it, which I mean... Slows you down a little, but... It, sure, sure. Like, the only time it would suck is if we did have a pack horse and it fell off the side of a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I feel like that's the only time it would really, really suck. Uh, Otherwise, there uh, are ways around that loophole. Yeah, yeah, but by the time that you're level 13, you've got ways around getting that shit back, too, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, like... And one item at a time. Yeah. I got this. I <laughs> it's the dead pony, but you're just like picking this stuff out. Well, no. No, no it vanishes. Yeah, like, the, the no, I just want yeah. the imagery, guys. Like, I just want to be a dead pegasus. I, 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 <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like it's just feathers and blood, but there's no corpse. The <laughs> Just like a poof of like feathers. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it's a, 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 it did specifically one say horseshoe. that it didn't remain. <laughs> there were no remains when it died. Ah, it just okay. it vanishes. Do you have to feed this this steed? Feed the steed. Yeah. Feed the steed. I've, I've got a need. The need for steed. Steed. <laughs> need for steed feed. <laughs> no, but uh, do, do no, no, no. It's it's good. Okay. Yeah, you don't need to worry about that. There you go. Uh, from I mean, I didn't mention anything when I was looking at the spells and considering they're magical spirits. I, I feel like you don't have to feed your spirit guardians when you're souls, right? Yeah, yeah. So feed it souls. Some some things, you, sometimes you gotta feed a soul. <laughs> Do you have a soul? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have acquired many. <laughs> They're fucking delicious. That pause was great. All right, is that all you have about the spell? Yeah, that's pretty much all there is about it. They're again, like really much, pretty much the same. Yeah, it's just better, better steeds and the drops the items. Fair that, yeah, I don't. Again, I think it's just an oversight. Sure. I feel like you, you take it or leave it as a DM in my mind. If my guys have their bag of holding with all their stuff on the on the steed and it disappears, I'm not an asshole. Like, it'll fall down, right? Yeah. Well, that and the fact that the bag of holding can't go into a pocket dimension. Yep. So oh. if you dismiss it and off it goes. So if you attach it to your steed and then the steed dies, but it disappears too, everything well, dies? No, no, no. When you dis... Can you, you can dismiss a steed, right? Yes. Yeah. Does it say specifically it goes to a pocket dimension? Because it no. does for find familiar. No. You need to dismiss it or just it just off into the ether. No, right? you, you dismiss it with an action. Yeah, but then where does it go? Hard stop. Yeah, okay. So we don't it for a familiar, when you dismiss it, it goes off into a pocket dimension. Yeah. So uh, It's a spirit, it goes where spirits go. Right. But they drop everything as well, right? Like I'm getting ahead of myself on this. But they drop everything as well, so they can't take it with them. Sure. I wonder if that's the loophole. Of oh, the you order. can like you have a, a locker. You just have to yeah. like, a steed locker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a stable. pocket dimension. That's steed a stable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't put them in lockers, Dave. <laughs> yeah, the steed locker. <laughs> I've been doing it wrong this whole time. Yeah, I'm just imagining a My locker horse. with the name. No, the name Steedsman. Steedman. Just <laughs> that's your that's your, your steeds. Every horse yard. from now on is going to be <laughs> steed. <laughs> Okay. Oh, I'm kicking you from my campaign. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's go through all of the greater steeds that you can has. So something to keep in mind that when we go into the greater ones, they tend to get more into the mechanical details. I'm not going to go over every single mechanical detail for each one, but just know that you do end up getting a couple more, like the saving throws. You get a couple more of like the senses and things like that do get added, and they're a little bit more complex to work with. Um, but I'll go over a couple of things I thought were really neat about each one. Sure. Uh, so for the griffin. They are large. They are large monstrosities, and they have keen sight. So they are perceptive big bitches. Uh, <laughs> they have the ability to do multi attack, meaning it can hit twice per turn with either using its beak or its claws. Fun thing to note is to stay on the perceptive train. They not only have advantage on perception checks, but also have dark vision and a passive perception of fifteen, which of course is technically higher than most of your average PC. Yeah. So they're perceptive little yeah, things. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Um, for the Pegasus, these beauties are considered large celestial beings. Um, they are also super perceptive with a passive perception of 16, so beating out the griffin, but does uh, not have keen sight, so does not have advantage on any of those checks. But this kind of works for me in my mind, because griffins, in my mind, read as hunters, whereas Pegasus are just kind of like beautiful creatures. Yeah. This is kind of shown in its abilities because it can only use its hooves, uh, much the effect of the warhorse, but they don't have the charge ability or anything like that. 
Um, they can, however, understand multiple languages, such as Celestial, Common, Elvish, and Sylvan, but of course can't speak it, but they can understand it. Plus, sure. especially if you have a different language that you understand that by rules is written, they would get another language sometimes. Sure. In my mind. Yeah. So they're just very smart creatures. Um, the Periton, uh, equally as perceptive as the Griffin, uh, with keen sight and smell as well, um, but are built more like tanks. They have a lot of damage resistances, such as, like, bludgeoning, piercing, slashing, and non-magical attacks, so, like... Are you guys familiar with the Periton? Because some of the listeners might not be. They're one of the weird ones. Not particularly. Well, they're kind of like a weird bird thing. <laughs> so is a Pegasus. Yeah. And a Griffin. Yeah. So, the thing about Peritons are they've got... They're essentially large birds with antlers. Yeah. Um, they're a bit more vicious, um, but they're intelligent too, aren't they? Yes. Yes, they are. Um, I don't didn't write down what their intelligence is, but they are up there with Pegasus. Um, and they've got a bite. like They've got teeth too. Yeah. So um, they have their bite attacks. They do have like a, a gore attack and they can use their talons as well. Sorry, they don't have a bite attack. They only have gore and talons, so they can hit with their yeah. antlers. antlers. Thank antlers. you, Dave. Yeah, they essentially look like an elk with wings. It's the a winged Pegasus elk. version of an elk. Well, no, they're like a, in my head, they're a vulture with... They, they don't have back legs or anything. Some like, sort of half-vulture, half-man-elk. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just like a large condor with antlers and teeth, right? But super colorful. Like, I feel like, like there's we're no really back describing legs. this well. <laughs> But it's, it's not like it's a quadruped no. with wings. That's a pegasus. Two feet with talons. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. Um, so that in mind, that the giant weird bird things with antlers and talons, uh, they do have a fly speed of 60. They also have the ability to do um, fly past people without uh, provoking opportunity attacks, which is that flyby um, ability, which right. not all flying creatures have, but this one does. Which is great because when you're using it as a mount, you don't have to burn your, your action on the disengage. You can dash and get that disengage effect, which means your 60 feet is effectively 120 feet. Yipper. Fun. Yeah. So, and then as mentioned, they can either use their gore or their talents, but they can multi-attack, so they can do both, which is really cool. Dire wolves. These ones I feel are the most common. I've seen, <laughs> again, <laughs> yeah. wolves, war horses. They're large beasts. They have one of the lower perceptions, um, but has a much higher stealth. They do get keen hearing and smelling, which gives them that perception bonus, um, but technically it is only a 13, so it is lower than the others, but yeah. you do get the bonus and the advantage. Um, they do use pack tactics, so this is one of the first ones that we see that actually has pack tactics, but only with other wolves, not with yourself and or other people. So it's like, yes, it has pack tactics, but how often do you think you're going to be running a steed with its pack? Good for a druid. Yeah. That can wild shape. Ooh, that's smart. I like that. That's cool. Also, I feel like yeah, you're going to be able to take paladin only spell. I mean, yeah, you cross yeah. class, but yeah, yeah. yeah there, there's ways to get it, but um, it's you're going real hard to get a, a druid with a decent enough wild shape that it's going to be you get this at level thirteen, right? So seven levels of druid, like this is a rough multi class to get there. To yeah. just be able to get pack tactics with right? your like, dire wolf, yeah, yeah, that one time. <laughs> It's gonna happen. I feel all right. You are level 13 and your wolf is frontline in combat and like getting up in there, it's probably not going to last long. Yeah. That's true, but direwolves, direwolves have some 
have some power behind them, don't they? Uh, they're hefty, but not as hefty as you would think. Like, they're still just a steed. So they're they're not sure. going to last but, very long. I mean, they are just a tier one enemy, right? Yeah. So, yeah, okay. So, it, yeah. So to your point, if you're a level thir- at level 13 and fighting larger things, like, it's definitely not going to hold its own yeah. for very long. It is going to follow you into a dungeon, though. Yeah. Yep. I wonder if as a DM, like, if it befriends... Like, the other people on your team, like the Barbarian and stuff like that. I feel like I'd let a higher level, maybe I would give them the ability to pack tactic with it. Also, like, it, there are, like, the totem Barbarian, you can go into, like, the wolf totem. Yeah. Right? Or if you have a shifter that is wolf-themed, or someone gets, like, anthropy yeah. in the middle of the campaign. I would totally, if it's wolf-ish, yeah. then yes, you get pack tactic. I would do that. Yeah. I like that idea. All right, well, Rhinoceros. Uh, these are large beasts. They do exactly what they, you think that they do. They charge and they knock things prone. <laughs> Very exciting. Otherwise, they can attack uh, close range with uh, gore attack, which, again, this is a horn, though, not an antler. This, yeah, this is yeah. the, only, the only really horny one that we've had so far. Fair. I don't wouldn't say that, but yeah. Um, I mean, the camel's got two humps. Right, that's yeah. right. I'm sorry. Yeah, two humps. That double hump action. Okay. All right, moving on. Um, their attack is actually pretty hefty. Uh, it is a plus seven to hit with an average damage of 14. So it's one of the actual heftier hits that these um, better steeds have. Um, also, it's not very perceptive, but it is built like a tank, uh, but nothing much else. So it does have some of this. Like, it will last a little bit longer, but it, it definitely will not hold its own for too long. And it's not very smart. Also, this is going to be the one that if you need to. to well, how, how dumb is it? Uh, I would have to look that up, Adam. Okay. Well, it's in, intelligence would be at least six. <laughs> well, and, and, and that, that was kind of the point I was about to make, because it's yeah. smart enough. But, like, this one is also really going to double as a beast of burden as well. Like, if you're playing with encumbrance rules, yeah. I'm going to pick a rhinoceros to be able to pull the wagon by itself, right? <laughs> Let me just bring you along. Uh, its intelligence is a negative four. So a two. Okay, well, I... No. A minimum six. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah. So, not very smart. It's its dump stat. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, Sabertooth Tiger. Um, All I can think of is I really want to, like, have a morphin' time with all these animals. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Anyways, so these are last but not least. These bees are also kind of built like hunting killers. They have a perception of 13, but with the added bonus of keen smell. Uh, They can pounce if you move up to 20 feet. Same kind of thing as the charge, but it is a pounce instead um which can knock folks prone used in the same way though um they do have to use an attack action to be able to do it at the end um but they can bite or use their claws the only thing i don't really agree with here is that they sorry they don't have multi-attack whereas i feel like in my mind saber tooth tigers the ones that are in my mind supposed to be speedy they should be able to bite and claw and claw yeah that's the only one that i don't really agree with or two claw or something like that yeah or like a swipe swipe you know yeah if ice age taught me anything it's that these guys are they should be able to attack quickly. Yeah, I've watched enough childhood movies to know that these things are supposed to be very fast. Yeah. So there's one thing you can rely on for, you know, its scientific accuracy. It's the Ice Age movies. It's yeah. Pixar. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you argue with Dennis Leary. Sorry, DreamWorks. <laughs> I don't that know guy's what an is. asshole. <laughs> ah, I get it. My Lanta. All right, I've got questions. <laughs> All right, let's roll. Roll your dice. Nine. Eleven. Four. All right. You're first, Adam. Yay. Is this spell worth the slot? At this point, yes. Yeah. I'm Again, it's not worth your first fourth level slot. But yes, if you are relying on a steed anyway, I would I would dig into this. Yeah. So, um, I'm not sure that I'm going after it for a multi-class. Mm-hmm. 
But it's definitely something that I'm going to be picking up for Tier 4. Yeah. Is it because I feel like by the time I hit Tier 2 and 3, if I'm that interested in mounted combat, I've got something already, and I'm not sure I would waste the spell slot on Now I can fly. Yeah, but maybe you could before. Now I can fly. There's not a whole lot of flying paladins. Speak for yourself. I guess. (laughs) Look, the last thing that we saw your paladin do was fall. (laughs) <laughs> to her death. She did not fly. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, I guess, but it, it, I feel like there's something else you could use prior to this. If you're not going to take it as your first fourth level spell, when are you going to take it? And at that point, do you have something better already? Because what are the major differences between steed and greater steed? Uh, I feel like if you're going to be mounted, you're going to have fine steed. But if like you're not going to waste two of your spells, your known spells, on steed and greater steed. Can you not swap out fine steed? I'm not super familiar with. So with paladins, technically, you can re-roll your spells. Okay, yeah. So you can you can you can choose. You're not okay. Okay, fair enough. It's not like a yeah. We're saying is it worth the slot? But it's kind of like we you can switch it out eventually if you want to, which is sure. Yeah. Then maybe sometimes if the situation calls for it. Look, I. If I'm climbing mountains, if, I, if, if we're going to get onto an airship, if I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm going to do this because I want the flying. Yeah. The flying is huge. Um, I don't think I'm ever taking a saber-toothed tiger or a dire wolf. No. I mean, dire wolves are classic, but I'm, I'm not going to. The rhino is flavorful and interesting, but mm-hmm. like, no, I want the flying speed. Yes, it is worth it to be smiting from the air. That's pretty dope. And I know that smiting is melee weapons, but like... Swooping down to smite to then take off against whether the baritone. Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty fucking powerful. Yeah. Your DM now needs to rethink everything outdoors. Yeah, which brings me to my next question: What steed would you prefer out of the graders? P- the baritone. Like, yeah, th- I know. That, that's, that's the <laughs> this right is where answer. we're going. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I, I kind of like the idea of the rhinoceros just because I grew up watching Ace Ventura, <laughs> and it brings back all sorts of imagery that has stuck with me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, probably the parrot. Like, it just seems the most rounded. Yeah, it's going to be the most useful, especially in combat. Um, the rhino's flavorful. Like, there's a lot of good flavor in a lot of these as well. Yeah. Um, and I would gift as a DM, here's your griffin mount, and not make somebody waste a spell slot on getting a griffin. Yeah. Um, but, uh, like, paratons are so powerful, like, Fair. There should be a cost for that. Well, I like the Pegasus, and the reason why I enjoy that is because I like the idea that you just have this beautiful horse following you around that has fucking wings, and one, it's going to draw attention, which I think is hilarious because your team is not going to think about that. And two, it understands multiple languages. It might understand languages you don't understand, which I think is amazing because you could walk up and somebody would be having a conversation, and then you'd be like, my horse understands this, but I don't understand this. But then you have the psychic link. <laughs> horse translate. Horse <laughs> Pegasi, <laughs> tell me what is happening. But that's why I would kind of want it. But I, I kind of enjoy that idea that it. Steedman, Steedman, Steedman. <laughs> You're going into a town where you don't know if you understand the language. Let's walk through it with a fucking Pegasus. Yeah, you know. So a Pegasus is a celestial already, so you don't have to change what it is, right? So I think it makes. But but you could you could if you'd like. Like you could have a uh, 
fiend. evil, a fiendish one, yeah. right? Or, yeah. or a fae one. All that makes sense, but... Well, because you get to choose yeah. whether it's fae, celestial, when you actually... Yeah, Correct. Yeah. But, but I like the idea of a uh, an ASMR choosing a pegasus, uh, <gasps> or a tiefling choosing a black pegasus, like a... It's got steam coming out of its nostrils. Yeah, it's not quite a nightmare, but it like it's thematically the same kind of thing. Like, yeah. I think that that's really flavorful in a way that a peritone isn't. Yeah. Well, that's kind of how we discuss like, with paladins, that sometimes if you don't want to do radiant damage and you're an evil paladin, just switch it to necrotic. Yeah, right? that, that doesn't hurt things too badly. I mean, it sucks for your undead campaign, but yeah. But yeah, themes. Themes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I mentioned Find Familiar before. Yeah. Um, and Find Familiar is... I have a love-hate relationship with this fucking spell, and you can all blame Dan for it. We often do for blame Dan for mostly. Uh, so this is a first level conjuration, uh, but you can use it as a ritual. And remember, ritual just means you add ten minutes to the casting time. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, you add an hour to the casting time. Yeah. All right. So the casting time. No wait. I'm sorry. I lied. You add ten minutes to the casting time. So if it normally would take one action to cast, it takes ten minutes and six seconds. Okay. If it normally takes an hour, <laughs> it takes an hour and ten minutes. Fair. All right. So. Uh, the range is 10 feet, which is a little bit funky and weird, but I'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. Um, and it has verbal, somatic, and uh, material components. Um, the material components include charcoal, incense, and herbs that must be consumed by fire in a brass brez- brazier. So, I thought you were about to say brazier. And I, I was, was like, not. No, love a good brazier. brass brazier. Yeah. <laughs> Leaving that one alone. <laughs> the hot guy walks in the room, you just hear dink. <laughs> Literally dink. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so the duration for this is instantaneous, and the idea here is that you sit down for an hour and you cast this. Uh, it uses the first level spell slot, or it doesn't if you cast it as a ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, now. Your familiar will then pop up. There's a long list of animals that it could be. We'll get into that in a minute. But it pops up within uh, 10 feet of you. And again, it's a celestial fae or fiend, uh, even though it's on the list of beasts, essentially. There's not a whole lot on there that's not a beast. Yep. Um, and uh, you can talk to your DM. It says right in the rules, you can talk to your DM about choosing a different kind of animal. And why would you not? There are lots of opportunities. There's so many. Yeah. yeah. Um, the idea here is that it obeys you, it has its own initiative, but it cannot attack. Hard to stop. Mm-hmm. So all of the cool, neat attacks that are available are not a factor for your familiar. Um, they're fairly peaceable, with an exception. So, when the familiar drops to zero hit points, it disappears, leaving behind no physical form. It's the same thing that, that we talked about with the steed. Um, you can use an action to temporarily dismiss it. This time it does say to a pocket dimension, or alternatively, you can just dismiss them forever. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, oh, that's sad. You, like, dismiss it to a pocket dimension, and then it you die, and then it's just forever stuck. In a pocket dimension in pocket somewhere? dimension? Yep. That's yep. sad. Um, you can also use an action, uh, while it's temporarily dismissed, to then summon it back, and it pops up into any unoccupied space within 30 feet of you. Mm-hmm. So when you summon it for the first time, or you have to use your, like, if it drops to zero hit points, you have to resummon it it's within 10 feet. But if you just use an action to bring it back, it's within 30 feet of you. Um, whenever it drops to zero hit points, 
Um, it disappears into the pocket dimension, and it does leave behind everything it was carrying or wearing. That makes sense. So, you get to communicate with this guy uh, telepathically, uh, as long as they stay within 100 feet of you. It doesn't learn a new language, you just telepathically communicate. Um, it doesn't get an increased intelligence the way that the steed does, um, but you can warg into it, essentially, and you'll gain any special senses it has, like dark vision or tremor sense or anything else. Um, your real body, while you do this, is deaf and blind. They've got a pretty good example of this in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, you can't have more than a single familiar, uh, and when you want to swap up the animal, you don't change the familiar, you just morph it the same way that you did with the steed, right? Yeah. Um, now, I want to read this out loud because this is a little mechanical. Uh, when you cast a spell with a range of touch, your familiar can deliver the spell as if it had cast the spell itself. Your familiar must be within 100 feet of you, and it must use your or it must use its reaction to deliver the spell when you cast it. So, if I am casting something that relies on touch, it can do it instead, but it immediately uses its reaction. Um, it requires an attack roll, or if it requires an attack roll, you use the character's attack modifier to yeah. it, not the familiar's. So that's a way to get around the, this. it can't te- technically attack in battle. Yes, but it's spells only, so this isn't going to work. For... It acts as a conduit, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you are multi-classing, like, you could do this with, do smites count? What's, will you, will you no. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it would, because, like, there's not a lot of ranged smites. No, 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 but, or, like, you're right, so it would be, oh, that's right, it's touch only, right? Yeah. So it would be, uh, I would have to look up the list, but, like, there's some healing stuff that you can give, and things like, um... Um, is, is guidance? I don't think guidance is touch. Gui- well, guidance is a cantrip, isn't it? So would that count? Yeah, cantrips. Spells. Yeah. Yeah, I would let it. I would let. Yeah. Um, but like, you couldn't use your smite through it. No, because that you would be up close anyways. Because yeah, and it, and that will have a range of five feet, right? Yeah. Um. Now you have me confused, and I need to look into it because I do not memorize spells because I never use them because I am a forever DM. True. What are you trying to look up? Spells. Okay. Like what kind of spells? What spell? Um, all of them. Okay. Well, that we don't have time for that. <laughs> Good sir. I'm kind of hungry. Water <laughs> break. Um. So touch spells, for example, are um in. I just grabbed some on a list that I found online. So arcane lock, which I wouldn't necessarily do. Awaken, if you wanted to awaken something, you're. You could do it. Yeah. Um, bark skin would be helpful. Uh, beast sense. Bestow curse. Ooh, you can curse people. Ooh, curse people from a distance. That's fun. <laughs> um, clone, contagion, continual flame, create homunculus. Uh, there's one here called create magen from um, uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. Um, and I thought it said create Megan. And I'm like, that's, that's terrifying. Uh, Am cure- I just a sentient spell? <laughs> spell? Yeah. Um, but it it is stuff like uh, like cure wounds and uh, oh yeah, it'd be very handy to heal on the battlefield if you're far away. Yeah, um, fly is another one. Yeah, right. So there are some things freedom of movement. There's going to be some interesting ones that you can use here. Yeah, and the best part is like a lot of the healing spells that are um, that are the best are the touch ones. <laughs> finger wiggles. <laughs> finger wiggles. <laughs> so, like, I think that's also a good way to get a better heal out to your party instead of using your 1d4 healing word. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. 
<laughs> yeah, um, Lesser Restoration is another one. Jump, Invisibility. Uh, this is a lot of Battlefield fuckery a lot yeah. of time. Um, although Resurrection and Revivify are going to be very useful for your familiar to get over there and do it. Oh, man, yeah, that's true. Right, especially if they've got a better movement speed than you, and you're up against, like, the clock with Revivify, for yeah, example. Yeah, You have one minute, so. I love that. Um, spare the Dying. Yep. Right, these are useful um, to do, so. Um, very neat. Now, unfortunately, only wizards, arcane tricksters, and eldritch knights get access to this. However, almost every bard will get the opportunity to pick this up if they want. Um, I know that with... How did Dan get it? Oh, he took the ritual caster feat. Yes. Right, so... Because um, he was playing an Inquisitor, an Inquisitive Road. Yeah. Right, so, like, there are other ways to get it. You can get access to all sorts of spells, but traditionally speaking, it's on the wizard spell list, so it's whoever has access to the wizard spell list. Yeah. Um, and that's it for the find familiar spell. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take us through a list of familiars. Sure. I'm not going to go through every single one individually. You can familiarize yourself with it at home. There are so many. And as we said, there are so many options. Otherwise, just talk to your DM about what you kind of want as your familiar. Because they they don't do a lot of extra since they can't attack. So why get super attached to one, in my opinion? Uh, We'll go through this in themes. My first theme is water. Sure. Familiars. So we've got crabs, octopi, frogs. I'm sorry, we have what? Crabs! <laughs> we, we got crabs. We got crabs. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, octopi, frogs, fish, and seahorses. So the main thing I want you guys to keep in mind when you use a aquatic familiar is that some of them require water to breathe, such as your fish, your seahorse, and your octopi. Um, your amphibious creatures, like your frogs and your crabs, that are not amphibious, but you know, they, they can breathe air. Yeah. So, something to keep in mind. Like, I know we had a familiar in our party once where it floated around in someone's eyeball. Yeah, it was a really tiny octopus. Like, really, really tiny. Size of, like, half your thumb. Exactly. Right? And, so, yeah. it was like really the cute. the ones in the jar in the other room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh... I, I have octopi, little pickled octopi here. Oh. Um, but uh, no, there was a player who was playing a uh, water genasi. And I said, that, yes, your eyeballs can just be like globes of water for theme. Yeah. And then he kept his little tiny octopus familiar inside his eyeball. And it would come out and wiggle around sometimes and go back in. Yeah. No, only the bladder. It can only survive in the bladder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's salt water, right? Right. Yeah. But that was the only one that, so the octopus actually can hold breath. So you, it can be out and hold its breath and then go back in. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like, the fish and the seahorse cannot. They basically only breathe water and they can't hold their breath. They're too stupid. Uh, total sidebar, that uh, octopus's name was Steven. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Hmm. Fine, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> um, but other than that, there's not too much interesting about them. There are little quips about them. Like, the octopus, it can, like, use ink if it gets scared. Whole nine yards, that kind of stuff. But since they can't really attack, there's not much going on with them. Um, I like the idea of the quippers, like if you were to have a fish, because if you do end up getting to attack, it's like a little bite that's a whopping one damage. Yeah, magic card, you splash. Right? But, like, <laughs> yeah, but, but remember, familiars can't attack. I know, but I just thought that was, you know, like yeah. it just like bites for one damage for shits and giggles. It's only, I hate they can't attack. They should always be able to attack for one damage. I mean, because it's the same thing, like crabs, like crabs, hey, <laughs> um, <laughs> They technically can use their pinchers, in my mind. So if they're going to be attacked by something, I feel like they would pinch. Yeah. And Or, like, hit with their claw. Like, bludgeoning damage to, like, punch you with their claw, you know? Well, it's not a mantis shrimp. Ye- <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Uh, Ye- now, <laughs> but now, now I'm just, like, 
don't want a mantis shrimp. <laughs> right? <laughs> Talk to your DM. <laughs> mantis shrimps only. Um, all right, let's move on to flying. Oh, God, I want a mantis prawn. Mantis prawn. It's just a little bit bigger. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> like, your mantis shrimp is not big enough, is what she implied. Yeah. <laughs> Get a better mantis shrimp. Um, <laughs> That's why it's not called a wool mantis shrimp. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah, we're stopping that there. Um, for flying, we have bats, hawks, owls, and ravens. So these are all technically considered tiny. Um, even though in my mind, a raven is technically larger than what a bat would be. Even a hawk is pretty large. Yeah. But, yeah. like, hawks and owls specifically are labeled as tiny beasts. But I guess if you, like, put them in, like, like they're, like... You have to think about what they're... What they're in um, comparison to when their wings are down. It's, it's about... Because, remember, a, a human being is not five feet wide in, in all four directions. Like, it's... And some of them are. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> um... No, but it, it, it's about the sphere of influence that they would have. Yeah. So when a raven it has landed on the ground, how far can they attack? What can they hit? And it's a tiny Their square, distance, right? right yeah. So. Um, but some cool things about having a flying creature, obviously they have flying speeds. They can move a little bit faster. Those things are really cool. Um, a lot of them are very perceptive. Of course, like your hawk, your raven, um, and your owl are all super perceptive. Most of them have keen sight. Um, and again, I know they can't attack, but all of them have talons. Yep. So I feel if you're going to be a gracious DM and something occurs, I feel like they can... I think they can pick shit up, too. Every one of them could, like, get over to the table, pick up the wall, oh, yeah. and fly it back to you. Fuck Absolutely. Yeah, so one time I had to save a falcon. Now, I know it's not a hawk, but, like, they're they're similar in size. They are terrifying. You're talking they're, about in real life. Yeah, yeah, in real life. It was stuck on our deck under a chair, and I had to, like, free it and stuff. So my friend upstairs comes Did down. you have a big deck? Uh, it was long... Did you shave and the bushes skinny? to make it look bigger? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Fuck, they're onto us, guys. <laughs> but no, you're right. Like they, they do have these large claws that are like they're talons. Yeah, talons. Yeah. That, but I mean, they they do pick up well. Like they they should be able to. Yeah, they're built to like pick shit up and carry it. I mean, right? they were like pigeons for fuck's sakes. Were built to carry messages. Honestly, you know? depending on the creature, like a hawk should be able to swoop in, grab and something, fish for you, and yeah. fly up and drop yeah. it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, all little things that you as a DM can talk about with your with your table about what they can and cannot do. Um, and again, in the moment, like if the bird is in distress and something has captured it, I feel like it's going to slash out with its talons at some point, right? Or Take these things into mind. Pointy beak. Oh, yeah. There. Like, um, um, absolutely. Um, the only other thing that's really cool about them to add is that the raven does have the ability to mimic. Um, they have a little bit of mimicry. That's the name of the show. <laughs> it's a raven. Wait. Wait. That's so raven. <laughs> Um, the basic all that means is it can mimic simple sounds, and that's to keep in mind. Like, it can mimic a baby crying. It can mimic, like, simple, simple sounds. Dan's pet raven in the last, or pet familiar, familiar raven in the last campaign, uh, his favorite thing to mimic was a hefty sigh. Yeah. <laughs> he was so disappointed in everything that Dan's character did. Okay, funny story. One time I was living in a place, roommate had a bird, Charlie. And the, the bird was a cockatiel or something. Sure. And it, it the bird could mimic noises. And the roommate smoked a lot of pot. So occasionally the bird could make the... <laughs> 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 oh, oh, oh my god! 
<laughs> of the lighter in the bong. No, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. it was yeah. incredible. Charlie was a great bird. Yeah, uh, a little soft in the head, <laughs> but a great bird. That is amazing. Love Charlie. That's yeah. that's awesome. He would also spin that. in circles or fly in circles around the roof. He would spin a sock above your head. Not sure how we figured that out, but without fail, <laughs> every time you'd spin a sock, he'd take to flight. Mm. That's so good. Yeah, great bird. That. Yeah. Amazing. Speaking of birds, reptiles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have lizards and poisonous snakes. Again, it sucks that they can't attack because that's really the only thing thematically that's added to them is the fact that, like, technically with a poisonous snake, it should be able to bite and poison someone. If you can't attack with a poisonous snake, is that is there, a snake? Or, do, or do you really have a poisonous snake? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, a thing I thought about, like, if you were to have a poisonous snake, was snake. Steak? Snake. Poisonous um, snake. <laughs> uh, harvesting its uh, venom was, and using it for poison. Yeah. Was the only thing I think of that, like, would make it useful if you didn't weren't able to attack with uh, it. Nobody look at me. I'm going to go. I'm going to go do milk a ritual. My snake. My venom. Yeah, I'm going to go milk my snake. Don't look at me. What are you? What are you doing on your short rest? Well, I'll end by smoking a cigarette. <laughs> Sounds great for me. Um, and then on for that, we have weird household creatures, is what I label these ones as, which is your cats, rats, weasels, and spiders. I'm all over the wheel. Oh, you don't like spiders? What I hate spiders. I'm with you there. They are not of this world. They have eight legs. Get the fuck out of here. That's too many. Unnecessarily needed. Just saying. Anyways. Again, not much with these ones other than the fact that, like, rodents and things like that will have things like dark vision. Um, they are all quite stealthy, so they can be hidden and hidden away and do their own thing kind of stuff. Um, but other than that, cats, of course, they have, like, keen smell. Um, same thing with rats, same thing with weasels. Um, even though in my mind weasels stink themselves, of course they can. God, anybody I've ever met that has pet ferret, ferret. you can smell it on their it's fucking. All I can think about right. is their. You know, and they who don't has wear a, a jacket. If they own a ferret, they own, they only wear hoodies. Yeah, that are full of holes. Yes. I feel like we're attacking a very certain part of the internet right now, and we're going to get yelled at. <laughs> so funny story. One time, my friend had a ferret, <laughs> and and Kyle was uh, was over. We were over at the friend's house, and Kyle taught the ferret how to use a zipper. Like, like open zippers and stuff. So our friend, a woman, she you know would leave her purse laying around, and things would go disappearing out of it all of the time. Oh my god! So it was hilarious. Did he have a little like like a little black mask coloring over? No, his... he was oh. kind of white in the front. But oh. uh, yeah, that was that was all Kyle though. So thank you, Kyle. Oh my goodness! I feel like Kyle with the familiar is a bad time for everyone else. All right, what's the next animal anecdote here? What do we got? <laughs> All right, well, technically, I don't have anything that's. Uh, I've got a list of a couple of beasts that aren't like within the regular list, which I'll just list off. Sure. To be shell again, because they can't attack. There's not a whole hell of a lot to them, other than the fact that they're animals. Um, so for more beasts, we have fox, hare, flying monkey, um, and the Elmira, which is basically a unicorn bunny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, these ones are all technically beasts. They they meet the requirements for being a familiar, yeah. but they were published in later books. Exactly. Sure. Right. Um, so you're going to find a lot of these in like Tashes or like what have you, right? Icewind Dale has the hair. Is that right? Yeah. It has like, where the unicorn bunny comes from or the, no, the actual hair. Is what the you're actual hair. Yeah. 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 Um, is Icewind Dale. Yeah. Um, the unicorn bunny is Tashes. <laughs> uh... TOA, it's not Two of Annihilation. Oh, Two of Annihilation, you're right. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. I'm reading my own notes incorrectly. Um, otherwise, um, for standard familiars, like, we're thinking, if we're thinking warlocks, or thinking four warlocks, you've got your imps, your pseudo dragons, your quasits, and your sprites. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a warlock choose something that was like a, a normal animal. 
I think the pseudo dragon is the only familiar I've seen used successfully at a table long term. Well, Mieka has a Tressum, which is the winged cat. It, with her warlock right now, yeah. she has a familiar that's a winged cat, which we just reflavored the pseudo dragon. Yeah, into like a feline pseudo dragon. Yeah. Very cute. A um, couple of options from other books. We have the Abyssal Chicken, which what? makes me laugh every time. I'm, I'm sorry. I, this is the first I've heard of this, an Abyssal Chicken. <laughs> oh, shit. Really? Dave, you should Google an image of the Abyssal Chicken right now. <laughs> this thing is is epic. If, if you are not driving listening at home and you don't know what an Abyssal Chicken is, Google it. Yeah, it's got a nice fun image. Jesus here. Christ! Yeah, it's it's a terrifying, like, rictus grin on the top of a featherless de- demon chicken. Yeah, like, it kind of reminds me of, like, a Cheshire cat chicken. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. Yeah, these are things that, again, a technically... Abyssal turkey? <laughs> no, that's not a thing in the real. Okay. Yeah, not, not in the actual published material. But <sighs> these are other options from other books, right? Yeah. So... Um, such as well as like um, an anvil rot raptor, which is not a raptor; it's a bird. <laughs> I feel like I have to say that for some reason. Yeah. No, it's a velociraptor <laughs> that is wrapped in anvils. No, no, no. Okay. And then a gazer or a tressum, um, also weird monstrosities. And then for um, that, well, Casey had a pet uh, gazer. She did, yeah. In a couple of campaigns ago, as yeah. well. So that's fun too because they just babble incessantly. Yeah. Random bubbles. Oh. <laughs> oh, bubbles. Did you forget about bubbles? I, oh, I honestly forgot about bubbles until today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, I love it. I also forget about like my my familiar, which was um Jeremy Render, which was a render, but we only called him a familiar because I could make him really small. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 it was a gray render, but there were a series of different rings that you had. Yeah. And then you, there was one ring that would you put on his finger and because it was meant for a large sized creature, that would knock him down to medium. Then you had a ring for a medium creature that would knock him down to small. Yeah. You'd get him all the way down to tiny. And you put him on the desk, and he would just like run around and rip shit up. Yeah, just an angry, vicious little gray render about three inches tall. I thought making him that big would just kind of render him useless. <laughs> no, because we did discuss that it didn't change his weight. No, it didn't. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so he's just a super heavy, tiny creature. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then finally, from Strixhaven, we have the mascots. So we have the art elemental, the fractal, the inkling, the pest, and the spiritual, the spirit statue. Those ones are those ones are interesting. I'm not sure I'd ever play with that anywhere except Strixhaven. Uh, yeah, that because like thematically they would fit, but other than that, again, because they can't attack, you can't really use any of their cool shit. You're just they're just there for flavor text and fit within the world. Yeah, right. So, but that being said, we've talked about familiars, so let's roll some dice. We've got some questions. Yay! Are they the same questions? They are the same questions. Yay! Oh, I got a sixteen. Oh, I got a ten. I got a quarter of what Dave got. All right, Dave, is it worth the slot? Probably. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot that you can do with them. The uh, Using them to do the touch spell at a range, I think, is very valuable. Yeah. That's how you get around your sneakiness, right? You get your spider to walk over and yeah. away you go, right? Yeah. So, yes, I absolutely think it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely, too, as well. Especially if you're going to be a damn DM that's going to be a little bit more kind in the sense where are your bird can pick things up. You can have them fly off to grab something for you or take something from someone or and I feel like maybe there should be a role for it sure but like there are stat blocks for a reason that's use a, them that's a good point like make sure you you're fleshing out what you're going to do with it with your dm before you don't want to get you don't want to pick a spell and then get in there and realize it doesn't do what you thought it oh because your dm is going to like hard press the rules of no they can't attack no they won't be able to do this no they yeah. won't be able to do that they are just flavor for you yeah. if they're just a delivery system for an attack spell though I'm totally going to fucking allow it yeah. 100%. Because it they are not making that attack. 
you are. Yeah. Yeah. So it's on your turn. It's on your rotation. And like, I don't think it breaks the game in any way, shape, no, or form. It's still within a hundred feet of you. So like, that's still within the range of like a, uh, Eldritch Blast. Yeah. Right. So I, I don't see a problem with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hold on. I'm going to say this. It's not just worth a spell slot. It's worth taking regardless, just because you get to cast it as a ritual and not burn a spell slot. And it's a fun flavor text just to have. Although you can't do it on a short rest. Yeah. Because it takes an hour and ten minutes. Mm. Otherwise it's ten minutes. But you have to take a break anyway. And most people will say, well, can we get a short rest in? Mm-hmm. Sure. And I can't think of a whole lot of instances myself where I, as a DM, have said, you guys have 60 minutes, but you don't have 70. <laughs> right? right. You're leaving so, right at 2 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> which means that you will be exhausted immediately. So... Fair enough. So, yeah, I would absolutely take this. It's totally fucking worth it. Yeah. And I think it's cute, especially if you're the kind of, like, player that just wants to have something, a little something extra, a little more flavor text to your character, right? This is a better option than just taking a pet, too. If you want a pet in the game that's part of who you are, what you're doing, yeah, do this. Yeah. Why not? So, um, so with that being said, which familiar would you choose and would you prefer for yourself? The Elmerage. I like the idea. I really like cats. They're they're wonderful pets to have. I thought you were going to go Abyssal Chicken now that you've seen no, one. No, I don't want that. Around. No? This is too much do you mean the Tressum? The Elmerage is the unicorn bunny. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I do mean the, the, the Tressum. Tressum, Tressum yeah. Yeah. You um, don't want a unicorn bunny? Uh, we had pet rabbits. They're not as fun as you may think. That's true. They're hard to play with. Yeah. They're, they're kind of bitey. I guess. Yeah. Megan, which one would you choose? See, the sad part is, is I would choose a raven, but I have so many bad experiences already with Dan and choosing a raven at one point. Um, just for the, the mimicry part and the idea, again, that a bird can fly and it can grab things. And so thematically, I would choose a raven if I was to choose a bird. Yeah. Um, but to stay away from that, I would probably, I would just go for a cat or a rat or something that follows me around. Easier to protect. You know, from the classic, like, uh, from the regular classic list, uh, like a cat, a cat is going to be able to get out of trouble, is going to be able to fuck off and then come back regularly. Like, yeah. Whereas your pet quipper, right? Someone casts fireball, they're, they're fucked. You right? buy a fish. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when it comes to some of the other more creative options, the correct answer is flying monkey because you can give them weapons and tools and armor. They have wear. thumbs. <laughs> exactly. That, I keep saying that if you can get a creature with thumbs... That is the correct answer. <laughs> you should get that on a t-shirt. They can't attack, but they can fly up and drop a spear. Well, I mean, why could... Yes, as long as they've got the strength to drop shit, they absolutely could. But you know what else they get? Sleight of hand. They will steal shit. Yeah. Also, I get to scream, fly my pretty, whenever I want. And that's that's good. Absolutely me. required every time you summon it. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the summoning component is fly my yeah, pretty. Yeah, it's the verbal while you're doing the finger wiggles. The finger wiggles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fly my pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, speaking of companions, familiars, all those things, there are a couple of subclasses that exist that just have this pre-built into like their builds. Sure. Um, so let's roll dice and see who gets to talk about theirs first. Eight. Fourteen. Twelve. Adam, you're first. Yay. What you got? Um, I have the Pact of the Chain Warlock. Mm. Uh, this is actually really simple. At level three, uh, you choose what pact yeah. and um, of the four options that are available. Uh, pact of the Chain is the only one that gives you a familiar. Um, and it's really straightforward. You get the Find Familiar spell as a ritual, so you don't get it as a regular casting. So it has to take you an hour and ten minutes. Yeah. Um, you get to choose an Imp, Pseudo-Dragon, Quasit, or Sprite. That's the only options, um, and it's outlined here. 
My problem with that is we're starting to get other kinds of playable races now, as well as a lot of other kind of fun flavors. I think you should be able to choose from that expanded list. Mm-hmm. Um, where you would be able to pick um, an anvil rot raptor if you're all about constructs or you're playing a warforge. Like, that just makes sense to me, right? So, yeah. Um, and the thing that they get that regular familiars don't is that when you attack, your familiar can use its reaction to also make an attack. Okay. Now, if you only have one attack, you attack and it makes an attack as well? It's using its reaction. It has nothing to do with your turn. Okay. Okay. And it still goes on its own initiative and shit, right? So this is its reaction, um, which means that it's not going to be able to make an opportunity attack later, or it's not going to be able to, you know, sometimes you need to be able to use your reaction to dodge or make a deck save or whatnot. It can't do it then. Right, so it is giving up its reaction to do this, but that can be pretty powerful depending on the creature that you have. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to say real quick is that uh, imps and quasits are rad because having your familiar turn invisible, and remember, they have intelligence and opposable thumbs as well. So they're going to run around and get up to shit invisibly, which is fun. That's pretty cool. So there's a lot of there's a lot of good reasons to, to get into this shit, and also I love quasits because they're very, very annoying. I rant and bitch every once in a while on the podcast about how I totally fucked up my big demon keep, where I had 108 demons and just ran a... It took like seven long, like 10-hour sessions to get through it all, where they were kicking open the door and fighting a, a specific demon, and I'd collected all of these demons from previous editions and reworked them to fifth edition, and it became a real slog to get through it. Yeah. But one of the highlights was the room with six quasits. Because they walked in... And suddenly a piece of paper floated to the ground. And they didn't know why. It was because the quasit standing on the desk dropped it when they all turned invisible and they were at the door. Poof, yeah. And then they kept playing whack-a-mole trying to find the quasit. And every time they hit it, it would fuck off and make a stealth check. And they couldn't find it. And then they would find it again and hit it. But it would be a different one. And they thought that there was one quasit with like 300 hit points. Because <laughs> they kept fucking off. And then like getting a short rest in. Yeah. And they got harried by these quasits for like two Full 10-hour sessions. Hmm. Every time they opened a door, a quasit would then close the door. Like, two of them would run in, and the quasit would, on their initiative turn, close the door, and it locks again. And, like, it's just little fuckery shit like that. I do love quasits. It's like, it's like a labyrinth, but, like, it's just the quasits yeah, fucking just, up the doors yeah, and things. Yeah, quasits just being dicks. That's really cute. So. Oh. Well, I mean, you would use a quasit. Dave, what kind of animal would you use for it? I don't know. Well, what kind of... Are you going to be fiendish? What kind of warlock would you choose? Just off the top of your head. Um, yeah, yeah, some fiendy, uh, probably. That seems to be like the... I like the, you know, um, great old one warlocks, uh, right? So I'd probably pick something that's a little... Flying monkeys. Yeah. Well, what are your... I mean, the gazer, I think, was the only aberration or aberration on the list. Yeah. yeah. And, like, we, we've... Yeah, we've had dark and sinister characters with, like, gazers as... Bubbles, right? Yeah. So, gazers fit the theme. Yeah. That could be cute. That's fun. Yeah. What would you pick, Megan? Um, I was going to say flying monkey or a pseudo dragon just for shits. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I think it makes sense to have a weird flying creature beside you. I think thematically that fits just anything that flies. You know, honestly, if I'm going to be a 15th level pixie, you know, warlock with an arch fey, yeah, I'd give a a fairy dragon even. Like, there, there are better options out there. Fairy dragons are pretty fucking powerful, so that's why they didn't make the cut. Yeah. But, like, I, I would entertain that for tier four. Yeah. 
Or just like mod it in some way to kind of fit more yeah. like strength wise. Because it's been following you. It's not like it's been out in the wild learning how to use its abilities properly, right? Yeah, it's not like it's a proper fairy dragon. Yeah, that's very true. Who's next? I am next. So I'm going to talk about uh, the Battlesmith. Um, specifically the Steel Defender feature or improved defender feature. So the Battlesmith is an artificer subclass that is a metal worker slash tinkerer with magics. That's kind of a simple way to explain it. Um, at third level, which is the Steel Defender feature, they get an ability called Steel Defender, which basically means they build themselves a small metal companion. So they it's build- like animal-themed vaguely? Yeah, you build it. You get yeah. to, It's one of those ones where you get to choose what it is or what it looks like and what have you. Um, and it's considered a medium construct, so you can, in my mind, you can pick any animal within the medium fit. However, because in my mind, you can decide what it looks like and rules is written, yeah. you can just have a tiny bear. I, I was going to say like a, like a medium-sized T-Rex. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, a medium-sized metal kraken just following you around. Yeah, it doesn't really get up to much. It really does just follow you around. Um, it does have its own little stat block within the book to utilize. You don't get like a like all the stats from its whatever animal you choose, which is why, again, I think that you could just choose what it looked like and use the stat block. Sure. And flavor it if you want to add a couple of other things. Work with your DM, as we say. Um, but it utilizes your proficiency bonus a lot, similar to um, the other ones, as well as your spell attack bonuses. It uses your spell attack bonus for its attacks. Sure. Um, if it was to attack. Um, it does heal through the mending spell, uh, which in my mind fits because you are fixing the object. Sure, yeah, that's that's fun and flavorful. Like it gets injured, you're basically like re welding the metals back together or what have you. Um, it, it's the same if it dies. If you die, it dies. Similar thing, but to be rebuild it and get a new one, you have to have your smith's tools. It's not necessarily just magic poof, it comes back. It is I am rebuilding my creature. Makes sense. I really like the artificer for this kind of flavor. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, so again, if you were going to consider doing this, I think that you can choose any animal. You would just mod it to the fact that it is a medium-sized construct that you are creating. Yeah. I, yes. It, it is just flavor, right? You're just reskinning because it has its own stat block, right? Yes, it has its own stat block. So if I were to pick a poisonous snake, I'm not getting poison with it. It's just a, it's a metal snake. It is right? a metal snake, exactly. Okay. Yeah, so that's kind of like the flavor behind it is that that's why it has its own stat block is because you don't necessarily, it's not going to be the strength of a bear. It's not going to be, yeah. it's going to be what you built it to I be. could I could make a metal closet, but it can't turn invisible. No. And it's always going to have the construct type. Yes. Right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's fun. It is just a construct. So that being said, um, if I was to choose what animal I would want to build, is I would build a weird-looking monstrosity of all the animals put together. It would be a cat with crab arms. <laughs> that's, that's... Interesting, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, would make a, I would make a seven-foot, because that's still medium, a seven-foot mantis shrimp. Yeah! <laughs> Bring on the mantis shrimp! <laughs> I like the idea of making like some sort of hawk because then I could name it laser beak, which makes me happy. Oh <laughs> Jesus my dude. god! I really like the mantis or, or or a giant metallic crab, and then you get the apparatus of Qualish. Do you remember yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we've used them. Yeah, we. Yeah. I don't think Megan's Megan. Do you know what we're talking about? No, it's a tank, like like you know, like big tank, but it's a crab. And okay. it's got levers inside, and you roll to see what happens when you pull the lever. Oh no! Sometimes it'll move forward, move backwards, side to side. Too chaotic for me. But you, no, you don't roll. You, you're yeah. There is something. There's a random factor to yeah. it. Yeah. But like different people have to use their action to pull a different lever inside, so the thing runs around, and you can't get hit when you're inside of it. And it can hold like two medium sized creatures or four small sized. Oh my god! And so you all pile into this. 
fucking tank. This monstrosity. Yeah, and yeah. you can go underwater with it. Yeah, it's a oh, cute. It like a crab. So it's a submarine too. So. Oh. So I like that, and then having your steel defender like walking around crab themed. Yeah. Outside, right? Cat crab. <laughs> Amazing. What did the improved defender feature do? All right, so when you do get the improved steel defender, which was mentioned earlier, it kind of just bumps up its stats. So um, it does have the ability to do an arcane jolt, and it gives you an extra 4d6 to the attack that it can do. Um, as well, you do get an armor bonus of plus 2. So the AC increases. It's going to live a little bit longer. Um, and then if it uses its deflect, which is another ability that it can have, um, the attacker will take force damage um, equal to 1d4 of your intelligence modifier. Okay. So it makes it a little bit more tanky, lets it live a little bit longer. And um, I do like that it uses your intelligence modifier. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that that's actually getting utilized. Yeah, exactly. Right? So it, it's obviously it's what you would use if you get up to level 15 is when it pops. Mm-hmm. So you would have to, like, again... It would be a tough one to get to in my mind because if you're an artificer, I feel like you tend to you'll multi-class you'll out multi-class out before you get to level fifteen in my mind. But well, Battlesmith is probably, in my opinion, anyway, the best of the group of them. Yeah. So that's that's I, pretty cool. That's probably the one that I would stick with. The artillerist is neat, but that one's my favorite. Like, by yeah. Damn sight. If you want more details about it, it's on episode fifty-six. Oh, yeah, we did cover it. Yeah, we did talk about it sure. in more detail. But yeah, uh, I got the ranger companion, which you get a third level. Uh, the creature you choose has to be a medium or smaller creature, and it can only be one quarter CR or less. There's a lot of beasts and creatures. I know, that sounds like... limiting, but it's it's not. There's, there's a whole the... book. Yeah, there's yeah. a fuck ton of them. <laughs> uh, essentially, you're going to add your proficiency bonus to its AC attack damage saves and uh, its proficiency, the skills it's proficient with. Okay, so that's a nice little boost. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, its hit points is the maximum of the normal, like whatever the the creature would have. That it was like four or five d eight plus six. Then it's actually just going to be forty six. It's going to be the maximum, yeah. or four times your ranger level, whichever is higher. Oh wow! Uh, and they can also use their hit dice on a short rest to heal. They can heal themselves. Yeah, on a short rest, they can use hit dice. Nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah, That's all right. right. Uh, can familiars not? I would assume so. I would assume so. I mean, too, it specifically it's... spoke about it. Well, there's no rule against it, so I would assume that your mount, your your steed, could. But all right, anyways. Yeah, uh, it does go on your initiative or turn, so it doesn't get its own. And you can use your action to command it to attack, dash, disengage, or help. So if you have one attack and you command it to attack, you don't get two as well. Okay. Uh, if you do have an extra attack, you can attack when you tell your companion to. So if you've got, you know, the, the two attacks, one of them can be your companion and the other is you. Mm. Okay. Uh, was, that, was that any beast that's one quarter or any creature? Uh, I don't know. Look Very specific up. wording. <laughs> you gain a beast companion. So it is a beast. A beast. Yeah, okay. Uh, on top of that, it's just you and your animal companion or ranger companion. Just the two of us. You can move through your favorite terrain stealthily at normal speed, okay? Which I think is a very underrated quality. Hmm. I think you can use that a lot. Uh, if you are incapacitated, it acts um, on its own accord, essentially, but its main goal is to protect you and itself. It does not require a command to use a reaction when making an opportunity attack. So if it's there and something leaves... 
it can take the attack without you telling it to and without burning your attack action. Okay. That's pretty cool. Uh, if it dies, you can spend an hour um, essentially bonding with a new creature. You find a new animal can Or you just find a new one. Uh, yeah, and you, you spend the time to, to bond with it. What a heartbreaking thing. Like, you bond with these creatures. You've probably had them for a while, and then they die, and then it's like, okay, how long do you take before you get a oh, new one? Oh, anyways, moving on. In yeah. a D&D game, uh, yes, but I'm yeah. imagining this in real life. <laughs> uh, the other way you can do this is with the Primal Companion, which is a, an optional feature uh, in Tasha's. This replaces the Ranger Companion, so that you can't do both. Because the Ranger sucked and Tasha's made it better. Yeah, I, this, I think, is... Way better. Way yeah. better, yeah. When you summon the beast, you get to choose whether it's land, sea, or sky, but you also get to pick its shape. Mm. So I think you can get kind of weird with this. You don't have to pick standard things, right? This is where you could, I think, from what I was reading, get your cat with crab claws. Crab cat! Uh, I think, like, rules as written, you're correct, but I think rules as intended, you're supposed to pick a beast with a specific movement of fly for, for sky or swim for sea. Or regular for land. Yeah, yeah. it's got to be appropriate. You can't be like, I want a horse shape, but I want it to... No, that's just a seahorse. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> or I can't fly... No, that's just a pegasus. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. No, the uh, the idea, I think, specifically, is that you get a special stat block because it's an, it's an animal companion. It's bigger and better than the rest, and the stat block is going to be better than whatever a CR one quarter is. Oh, clearly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in addition to all of that, it is also friendly to you and your companions, which is the first time that we've actually gotten the friendly to your companions. Yeah. Mm. Uh, which I always thought was kind of neat because you can have this pet that's a dick to everybody. I've done that, yes. But not with the primal companion. It is friendly. Well, it can be. It can be, yes. Yeah. Uh, it acts on your turn uh, and then it moves and reacts independently. Okay. Uh, otherwise, it just takes the dodge action on its turn. You can command it to attack or whatever. But if you're not doing anything, it automatically takes the dodge action. Uh, you said before, make sure you're saying it. I don't think you probably need to with this, as it's assumed that it's going to, unless you say otherwise. Make sure your DM knows it, at least at some point, so that it's not a surprise to them, and they, and you're flipping through books to look it Yeah, up. and, and yeah. this applies to the Ranger Companion as well, not just the Primal Companion. Sure, yeah. Both. If you get back to it after dies within an hour, you can use a spell slot of first level or higher uh, and return it to life. This costs an action. When you do it, it takes, uh, like I said, one action to cast it, and it comes back to life within Beautiful. a minute, within That's one cool. minute. Beautiful. So it, it takes some time, but it still comes back, right? Uh, and when it returns, it comes back with max hit points. So oh no, it dies. Spend an action, and it comes back. Ooh. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, you can summon a new beast after a long rest, and it appears within an unoccupied space within five feet. Uh, if you summon a new beast, the old one disappears and it vanishes if you die. There you go. So, as opposed to the animal companion, if you die, it's still technically kicking around. The primal companion does not. It, it's almost a summon. Essentially, right? it yeah. Is. It's not quite a spirit, but it's... You are summoning it from somewhere else in the world and it's attached to you. Yeah. So I would say, like, if you die, it's not that it dies, it just goes back to where it was. Yeah, like another, like, pocket dimension kind of thing. Well, no, not even. Like, if I wanted to be a tiger, for example, I don't know if that's one of the options. But let's say I want a tiger. I summon it from fucking Africa, right? And then I and then I die. Bamf! It goes back to Africa. Yeah, right? fair enough. Like, yeah. Uh, to give you a little bit of the stat block here, all of them have an AC of 13 plus your proficiency bonus. Mm. Not theirs. They use your proficiency bonus instead. Uh, their hit points is five times your ranger level. 
the Beast of the Land gets a 40-foot speed plus a 40-foot climb. Uh, it gets dark vision. It understands the languages that you speak. And it gets the uh, the charge uh, action, which if it moves 20 feet straight and forward, um, then it you know has to succeed. On, the target has to succeed on a strength DC or be not prone. Uh, and it for its attack, it gets a maul attack, which just does 1d8 plus 2 and... Uh, uh, it uses the spell attack modifier to hit. Mm. Okay. Yeah. The Beast of the Sea is pretty much all of the same, uh, except it is amphibious and it can breathe both air and water, and it gets a binding strike. So it uses your attack modifier for the spell. Uh, it does 1d6 plus 2 plus your proficiency bonus, and you get to pick whether that's uh, piercing or bludgeoning. Mm. And then the target is grappled. Lovely. The escape DC equals your spell save DC. Uh, until the grapple ends, the beast can't use this attack on another target. I know how much Maggie likes grapple, so this my is... My favorite. Yeah. 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 You can see my face right now. I'm super impressed by this. <laughs> uh, and then there's the Beast of the Sky, which has less hit points. It's four plus four times your ranger level, uh, as opposed to the five plus five times your ranger level of the other two. So it's a little bit weaker. It does get a 60-foot fly and a 10-foot walk speed. Uh, its stats are wildly different than the other two. They're pretty much the same. This one is, again, very different. Um, it gets the same language it understands, but it gets the flyby, so it doesn't provoke an attack of opportunity when it flies out of an enemy's reach. Sure. All right. Other than that, it gets the shred attack, which, again, uses the spell attack modifier to hit, which does 1d4 plus 3 plus your proficiency bonus, bonus of slashing damage. Okay. Mm. Okay. Uh, in addition to that, and I'm just going to like read these little quick blurbs here, they get exceptional training at 7th level. On any of your turns when your beast companion doesn't attack, you can use a bonus action to command the beast to take the dash, disengage your help action on its turn. In addition, the beast attacks now count as magical. Okay. Uh, at 11th level, you get Bestial Fury. When you command it to take the attack action, it can make two attacks. Okay. Uh, and then you get Share Spells at 15th level, which when you cast a spell targeting yourself... It affects your beast companion as well, if it is within 30 feet of you. Okay. Okay. Yep. It's awesome. That's what they get. Cool. It's pretty yeah. crazy. It's a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, you're giving up a lot of your shit. Like, this is a lot of the stuff that's happening instead of class. Like, this is the class feature. Yeah. For you. So, it's not like it is leveling up, you are leveling up, and therefore it's getting more shit instead of you getting more shit. That's Other true. people are getting evasion. Or extra attacks, and you're beefing up your animal. Yeah. Right? So. I'm feeding my pet. <laughs> <laughs> Giving him extra bacon. All right. Well, learning all that and that being all said, I've got one more question that I kind of want to get into. So let's roll dice here. I think it's important to ask. After talking about all this shit. 14. Five. Phenomenal. I'll answer my own question. So we've talked a lot about familiars, companions, all these things, um, whether they're part of your subclass, all these things. So technically, they are a very large part of your resource management. Yes. Um, so is this feature worth building your whole character around, or do you think that the spells are a better trade-off? Um, I'm a person that likes storyline and being attached to things and like having a rhyme and reason for doing things. So I don't mind the idea of building my character around an animal, a, an or, animal or familiar or something that I am attached to. Especially if I'm less of a social player at the table and I just need something to interact with. I don't mind the idea of letting a player lean really heavy into, I have a companion, I have a pet, I have a mount, I have one of these things that follows me around. Um, I don't, but I would want to pull from different areas, mm. especially if they are someone that is going to lean heavy into it. I would kind of, as a DM, want to do a little bit more research as to, again, 
what is this creature going to be able to do in the future and how do I combat that? And two, how can I make it more meaningful and impactful for them as a player? Um, because they can sometimes just get forgotten about. Or you as a DM keeps forgetting to interact with it or whatever. The only reason why Zoltan was so much in our fucking face was because it was annoying as shit and Dan was using it. You know what I mean? Like, Dan was the one who was controlling it. <laughs> Whereas there are a lot of players that will have familiars or things that, that just do kind of fall by the wayside or just there for flavor. Like, for instance, the Steven, octopus the in the, the eye octopus, yeah. was very flavorful and very cute and came up every once in a while, but didn't really impact the storyline in a way. Whereas Zoltan, this raven that followed us around, he helped was, us at every turn. Yeah, he was a utility that Dan leaned on. Yes. Whereas Bubbles the gazer was there for flavor and left behind in town when it was time to go adventure. Exactly. Right? So. right? so I think it just kind of depends on what your players want to do, but I wouldn't I like the idea of building it around it if you want to. But that's me. Um, it really depends on how I'm building it. It occurs to me now that I also forgot two mounts when I was talking at the very beginning. Um, when we went through a big list of what the mounts are, Eberron gives you two options for dinosaurs. One that's super oh, yeah. fast, one that's super fast, and one that has an attack. Yeah. Which is the Clawfoot was the attack, and the Fastius is the... It's the Clawfoot the Raptor, isn't it? Well, it's things just called Clawfoot, but it's mm-hmm. clearly a Velociraptor from Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Right, so, um... And then a fastieth is just one that you ride that doesn't really have a big attack. It's it's there for speed. Um, the other thing that is almost a familiar, like we didn't talk about homunculi, we didn't talk about the artillerist's walking cannon. Like there are a lot of different ways that you can have another creature added to initiative. All of the summoning spells, right? Like there are so many other ways to go about it. Sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes it's not. I don't like the summoning spells because it bogs down initiative. Yeah. Um, I would lean on a mount, honestly. I'm a little bit more curious about mounts now uh, because it doesn't fuck up initiative. Yeah. It goes on my turn, right? Uh, familiar can still be around, but it's not going to... Zoltan was cool for the exploration pillar, and we got some fun role play out of it, but there wasn't a whole lot he was doing in combat. No. Right? And so there were some... And Dan was on a spellcaster. Yeah. So that's why. Yeah. Right? He would just like... He would actually just let him go away yeah, as soon he, as battle started ensuing because he didn't want him to die. Yeah. Because yeah. he would be pissed and then give attitude later. 100%. Or, or technically follow Dan's orders because he's familiar. He's going to do what he's told. Yeah. He would technically do it, but to the bare minimum, and if there was a way to fuck it up like a monkey paw way, then he would do it. Yeah. So, like, um, I love the idea of a familiar or a pet. I have never built a character around it. If it happens to me, I'm very, very happy. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, at this point, Dave, your character in our current campaign has two pets. One that's bonded to you, another that's just your, like, legit pet. Yeah. Right. Do you care? Yes, I would be upset if anything happened to them. But when I'm thinking my tactics, I'm not thinking with them in mind. They're And your character wasn't built around them. You, like, you're a Leona, so I gave you a pet lion. Right. And, but you also have, like, a homunculus named Wit. Yes. Right. And so, and again... Fun, neat, cool, but they haven't done anything. It's because they're pigeons currently. They have been polymorphed into pigeons for a while. Yeah. Yeah, we got a sack of pigeons. It's a basket and a bucket. Oh, right. Sorry, my mistake. And we're rapidly running out of pigeons, so you guys better hurry up and figure that out. You know what? (laughs) One of these days we will. If anything happens to Gladian, you are in trouble. I'm aware of that. I have a random table we're going to roll on to see, you know, when we're running out of pigeons, which ones come back. And I'm legitimately concerned. I've had my life threatened by my players about seven times now. Like yeah. just now. It just happened. Yeah, that's number seven. So <laughs> um, yeah. I uh, Yes. I would absolutely build a character around this. I'm probably not going to pick it up as an afterthought. 
Like, the, I've got to design the character around it in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. That's why, like, the Beastmaster and the... It's within the subclass, yeah. Yeah, the Battlesmith, the Pact of the Chain Warlock. Like, it's built in for a reason. Yeah, use it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't... Um, you, I, it, it bogs the game down too much if everybody's doing it. And why is one person getting special treatment? Uh, it just... My style of game, when I'm running it, I just... It's just something else to manage. And then it's, oh, we're moving on to the next turn... Oh, well, my thing hasn't gone yet. Oh, my Christ. Like, figure it out. Like, make that part of your turn, right? It just, it's another thing that slows the game down. And I, like, this is the the drum I beat all the time. My games can be so slow. Like, it can really slow down in combat. Uh, I don't know if that's just a me thing, but, like, it it, it can really affect things. So when you're adding more to a turn. More hands to the pot. It just, it... It You're, takes you, away. You also run very combat heavy. Yeah. Right? So initiative order matters. So initiative's a much bigger factor. If you're in a role-playing or an exploration campaign, these things are boons. These are things that are useful and helpful and whatnot Yeah. in other ways. And so it's not going to bog you down. It's going to add to it. I agree. Like, Especially just, in exploration. And, and yeah. That's what I mean. Like, it's in my style. I wouldn't, but I, I absolutely see applications. Uh, having foot and murder face. In our campaign, love them, right? I was a little miffed when Murder Face fucked off, right? When he became a pigeon? Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, it's, it, that sucks. I want, I want my guy back. But Yeah, uh, Casey's pissed off. She doesn't have a... Uh, well, oh, yeah, there's the giant lizards, which can be ridden as well. Like, there yeah. are lots Agnes. of... Lizard mounts. Yes, yes, Agnes. Agnes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, those are from the Underdark. They're drow mounts, I think, traditionally. Mm. Like, th- there's stuff littered all through the books for mounts. Yep. There's certainly applications, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up this episode, let's cut to our last ad break. If you've been inspired by the conversation in this episode, please feel free to reach out and share your creativity and ideas with us and the rest of the community. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram or on our subreddit at r slash it's a mimic. Also, if you're feeling particularly generous, please follow and subscribe and leave us positive reviews, likes, and comments. Engagement like that helps us pop up on search engines and keep this show running. Okay, so we talked about a lot of different ways to get creatures and like beyond pets and the mount that you buy, right? Or the animal companion that you find in the woods that bonds itself to you. You roll your animal handling check. Right, yeah. Yeah. So like there's lots of different ways. In your opinion, after this episode, if you're going to make a character from scratch and you say, I want an animal to be a part of this, which way do you would you lean on? Find familiar spell? Are you doing a greater, find greater steed? Are you like, which is your favorite? Would you build a subclass? Like, choose a subclass around it and build a character? I, I want to roll initiative. Yeah, sure. Fine. You okay, fine. 16. <laughs> 11. 4. I like the idea of creating a natural bond. Like, I don't like the idea of the fact that it is bound to you by magic and has to listen to you. I like the fact that I would want an animal that respected me and wanted to do things for me because we were we were buds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't necessarily want to go, like, the, like, a warlock route or it's built into my subclass because it's supposed to be there or, like, it's a servant to me. I don't yeah. like that feel. Um, so I would almost, like, build it into my character where, yes, I have access to this creature and, like, the fine steed or what have you is only exists for the the ability to get it back when it disappears. Yeah. <laughs> but I would definitely have a conversation if I was to build them from scratch. I would talk to my DM about how, like, I would like this to be bonded to me from a respective friendship, X, Y, Z, not from magical means. How can we make that happen? Right? 
I'm 100% with you there. When I, I just got back from one of my big trips, and while I was out, I managed to uh, hand feed some whiskey jacks, like some Grey Jays, like birds. Oh, yeah. So basically uh, like a Disney princess. Literally what yeah. I, I captioned the photo with. I'll show you what we're done. Huh. But uh, we got some photos that was amazing. And it was absolutely magical. Like, was it worth two in the bush? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're not talking about wiggling fingers anymore. Wiggling fingers. Yeah, no, we shaved that to make it look bigger. Right. Uh, <laughs> Although that was the deck. <laughs> but no, like the idea of like slowly over time getting these animals used to you and, and like making an actual bond, not forcing them into bondage, essentially. Yeah. Right? Like that has big appeal. Uh, you remember, um, was it Radagast in the, the Hobbit movies? He's got all the little creatures and, and animals that fly around. He lives in the woods by himself. That could be me, right? Like, take the magic away. That is so appealing. Leave the pot in. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <coughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you there. That's, yeah. Um, honestly, I'm super curious about the Battlesmith. I love the idea of building my companion. And I think that I would build them to be a Modron, just okay. for the flavor of having a, a actual Modron follow me around. Um, I think Modrons are really neat and really limited. And having a Modron that's sentient and able to actually see other... Because the way that all of the, the uh, Modrons work is what they're all based on a numerical system. They can only actually comprehend the one that's numerically uh, one size bigger or, or smaller in rank than them. Yeah. So if they're a, a, a duo drone, they can only see the tri-drone and the monodrone. They can't see the quadra-drone. Like, they don't acknowledge it's there because they're just machines. Yeah. And so the idea that going over to, to Mechanus with the only monodrone that can actually, like, <gasps> perceive shit. Oh, my like, God. Oh, my God, we've broken the Matrix. Yes. <laughs> so I, I, that's, I, I like that idea. I would want to play with that. I think it's a fun. That's really cute. Yeah. Yeah. Fun, uh, fun little plot hook. Aww. So that's all for our discussion on mounts and familiars. Uh, make sure that you subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week we'll be heading into the Flogiston. 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 <laughs> to bob gently along the flow rivers and see some of the local playable races, a.k.a. lineages now that exist out there. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website at www.itsamimic.com, a store with some awesome It's Mimic merch and a Patreon. This episode and others can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and most other podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Please check the show notes for this episode to see links, time codes, and credits. And don't forget to reach out and share your own inspirations. Okay, but like you mentioned the homunculus. Do you want to talk about the homunculus? Well, I love the homunculus. They're kind of cute. Homunculi are one of my favorite things. I put them in every campaign and I never know who they're going to bond to. They're like, so cute. Then they always bond to someone. Yeah. Um, and not not Fwit necessarily, but in the past they've been very mischievous. They're, yeah. They're getting up to shit. They they don't eat, but they will eat whatever they can find. They just like to put things in their mouth and destroy the things. <laughs> so wh- wh- whether it is well, like we're hitting all of the good phrases today. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs>
the uh, the last time that I had one, it was like every time that somebody had good berries, it would just eat them. Like yeah. you had to keep it away from the good berries, which is a pain in the ass because yeah. that's healing. Uh, but and they would chug health potions like they were a real issue. Uh, but also, they discovered that you could just give them a, a liquid paste, and they would be happy with that too. Oh, delicious! Yeah. What would you name your homunculus? Brad. Uh, why? No <laughs> <laughs> uh, obvious reasons. Okay. Male slave Brad. I was yeah. going to say, oh, actually, no, that does make that. It checks out. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, or, or, or would clearly Steven. Steven. Yeah. What, what would you name yours? Coffee bitch Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and clearly yours, Adam, is named Dan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so much is being revealed in this episode. <laughs> Too lazy to be a homunculus, you wouldn't. It wouldn't go over. Well. That's yeah. well. I mean, if you deliver coffee, that's all I require. Have I? Have I ever brought you? a coffee? You have never brought me coffee before. <laughs> In fact, you came with your own this evening. How did you earn your name? <laughs> <laughs> Through lies. He puts the bitch in coffee, bitch. That's what. It's it true. Is. Just, uh, capital B I T C H. Real C N X Tuesday. Coffee, bitch. <laughs> Real B with an itch. Yeah. Oh God. We got relatively scot free on that whole crabs conversation. Yeah. I thought we were going to spiral the train on that one. I tried to keep the train going with you guys and your fucking crabs. <laughs> What's the way to <laughs> Not the fucking crabs. Those are bad crabs. Oh, you want a train on the fucking crabs? How many fucking train crabs are there? Choo choo. <laughs> crab crab, motherfucker! Why are you still here? Leave already.